0: How's it going, everybody? My name is Eric Martinez, your host and founder of the
1: Sporting Crashers podcast. Appreciate everybody's patience with us. This is episode three, rolling out the big carpet. Everybody that's been asking, we are the go-to feel-good comedy, sports, entertainment podcast that's available and out there on our platforms. We have a special guest coming up with this particular podcast, episode three. Definitely appreciate everybody that's been patient with us. On our lineup is Jennifer Cobb, Team Gateway to a Cure. Absolutely loved our conversation with her. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Michaela, she's actually a Texas Rangers six shooter, so thank you so much for being on our show, especially during the Texas Rangers baseball season. That go-to guy, Ife Ekbanuma, representing Columbia, South Carolina. University of South Carolina Gamecocks, stand up definitely looking forward to speaking with him and we actually have none other than the number one trainer in the world Mr. Travel Gaines appreciate him being on the show Athletic Gaines we're going to start off with Ma the meatloaf section and everybody's been kind of asking me you know what what, what is this you know what where did you get this concept what are you doing with this one so Ma the meatloaf is come coming from a comedy show comedy movie that everybody knows about can't necessarily say it but if you do know the sporting crashers it's relative to a comedy movie and in this particular segment we're talking about reviews of food and in the movie it came out where he says ma the meatloaf what's she doing back there you never
0: know what she's doing back there I want to give a special shout-out to all
1: of our sponsors for the Sporting Crashers podcast, especially Book Clothing, Jerry Dupree, representing Los Kobe's. You already know what it is. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, Mamba. Favorite player, Los Angeles Lakers till we die. Also, I want to give a shout-out to the entire Giant Elephant team out in the Bay Area. You know what it is, representing Pittsburgh, California, Bay Area, East Bay
0: 925. Appreciate you out rocking with me everybody let's kick off the segment ma the meatloaf so this is a food and
1: dessert review of anything that has to do with uh stadiums arenas across the world episode three sporting crashers podcast we're actually going to be reviewing the summer ballparks where to stay cool what to eat um desserts and everything like that so um, if you haven't heard our podcast before episode two, we actually did a review of food in this particular one. Since it is the summertime, we're going to give you a little bit of advice. If you do go to the ballparks somewhere to go and cool off, and then of course getting some type of dessert. So we're starting it off with number five. It's a five top five countdown. Number five is going to be called the Elvis shack. Um, anybody that has been there to Coors course field in Colorado, home of the Rockies, Please let me know how it is. Uh, It's actually at the Hilton uh, Burger Shack. So it's known as the Elvis Shake. And it's described as a creme de banana, soft serve ice cream, peanut butter sauce, Cracker Jack, and candied bacon. And I don't know about you guys, but anytime that you include bacon in anything, I'm all about it, right? So you got a candied bacon. And then what's more traditional than being at the ballpark, especially baseball, than Cracker Jack? So we're going to go ahead and see... Um, If we can get a review of the Elvis shake, definitely looking forward to that Uh, Coors Field, Colorado, home of the Rockies Ma, the meatloaf, never know what she's doing back there All right, number four, we're going to go on to the mini funnel bites And this one you can find at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, Missouri Um, definitely home of the, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. I know that they introduce a lot of items to their, uh, menu in the 2022, uh, season. So this one right now, they're describing it as the small donuts that are smothered in icing and chocolate. And then of course they, they top it with sprinkles designed to, you know, taste like mini funnel cakes. I remember a long time ago, I'm I'm from the Bay area. So we used to go to great America in Santa Clara and we would always get a funnel cake. So we would either top it off with strawberry, chocolate, and, and powdered sugar. So something like this is right up my alley. Um, give me those mini, mini donuts that are topped off just like funnel cakes. Hey, I'm eating the whole thing. I'm ordering one for each family member that loves funnel cakes. So number four, mini funnel bites from Bush Stadium, home of the Cardinals. My, the meatloaf, we want it now. Number three, we're going to move on to uh, Chase Field in in Phoenix, home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have this new item called the Churro Dog, and um, it's described as a Long John uh, donut that's actually filled with uh, an Oreo Churro, and it's topped with a vanilla yogurt. So it also comes with different strawberries. If you want strawberry sauce, whipped cream, chocolate sauce, Oreo cookie crumbles, I mean... You know, I love anything that has Oreos. Um, not so much of a fan to combine it with strawberry, but in it, but with this, if it's kind of all together, I saw pictures of it. Hopefully, um, our Arizona listeners, if you can tap in, let me know how it is. But uh, definitely interested in knowing this, especially if you have an Oreo churro with Oreo uh, crumble and v- vanilla yogurt. I mean, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So let me know. Chase Field, home of the Arizona Diamondbacks, the churro dog, number three my the meatloaf. number two we got the ice cream push pops in nationals park and i know um those that listened to episode two we did a review and we actually had an item from nationals park before home of the washington dc uh nationals let we just call them dc nationals whatever you want to do um the ice cream push pops are actually new items So they got the uh, two ice cream Push Pops in black and white cookie, or you can get it in uh, bourbon and cinnamon uh, babka. And um, definitely looking forward to that one. That one's probably on my item that I would just grab right away and, you know, eat it literally right before I go back to my seat in Washington, D.C. So um, anybody that's in D.C. listening, our national uh, fans and listeners, please let me know how they are. Definitely interested. Hopefully a lot of ballparks across the country start – uh, you know selling those as opposed to all of the sloppiness when it comes to ice cream something like that little push pop ice cream It goes a long way Number two ice cream push pops from national parks home of the washington nationals Ma, The meatloaf All right, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and, and uh Get the big countdown going number one right ma the meatloaf segment top five for episode number three we got number one the one and only the churro poutine uh now this is described as a churro with a vanilla ice cream caramel sauce real simple you can find it at rogers center in uh toronto it's in canada for those that don't know but anyway uh that's actually going to be the home of the toronto blue jays which in my opinion potential world series contenders from the american league we'll see Red Sox fans, Yankees fans, don't hold me accountable. White White Sox fans, hey, just making a statement. Anyway, but for me, they get the top dessert because it's simple. Give me a churro. Give me a vanilla ice cream. Give me some caramel sauce. Simple, right? But it's the most flavorful. It's sweet, and it's something that I would go back for. So number one, churro, poutine, Rogers Center, Toronto Blue Jays you get the number one spot on the Sporting Crashers Podcast as the top dessert to go to 2022 summer. Ma,
0: the meatloaf. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for holding. I am having
1: an absolute pleasure moment uh, to bring in the fellow crasher, Founder, executive director of Team Gateway to a Cure, Jennifer Cobb. Thank you so much for being on the show. Episode three of the Sporting Crashers podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Three is my favorite number.
1: <laughs> oh, Woo-hoo! nice. Okay. Good number. Good number. <laughs> I, exactly. I'm just feeling
2: lucky tonight. Yeah, that's great. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about so many great things. I know you have. You and I have gone back and forth trying to uh, schedule this. Um, and, uh, I think originally we were scheduled, um, for our episode, right? When the, yeah. um, the, the NFL, um, um, draft was going on. So I'm like, darn it.
1: No, exactly. They're
2: getting picked before me.
1: Yeah. Darn it. It's one of those <laughs> things, you know, with scheduling. I know how busy you are and you know, I'm glad I got you on the show. And it's funny that you say three yeah. is your lucky number. Everybody uh, gives me stuff all the time because I'm always like 13 is my lucky number. Um, I was born August Ooh. 13th at 3:13, oh. so that's my that's my number. And everyone's like, like, "Oh, that's an unlucky number." I'm like, "No, no, no. That's that's my, definitely so my, my lucky bur- number."
2: My son's birthday's August 20th. Okay. So yeah. Leo. Uh, so y- y- yeah, Lil Leo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: That's great. Awesome. I love your hat. What's it So say? this is,
1: shout out my clothing sponsor, Book Clothing Co. It says Los Kobe. So it's 8 and 24. And then on this side is love the it. biggest mistake we have in life is that we think we have time. And this is the logo. So it's a oh, dedication
2: nice. hat
1: for Kobe Bryant, my favorite nice. player, player of all time.
2: Love. So. Yep, yep. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Awesome.
1: So yeah. for some of our listeners that might not know necessarily of what Team Gateway to a Cure is, as far as the organization, the purpose, everything that you got going on in the community, please give us a, you know, a little introduction. So uh, that way we can, you know, know a little bit more about the cause and everything great that you're doing.
2: Yeah. And I can't thank you enough for uh, allowing your platform to you to uh, use my voice to, to, uh, to showcase some of the things that I have been working on over the last five years. Team Gateway to a Cure, I started it in 2016. And along with me and my board of directors, um, we had a common cause, a common um, drive in in each one of our hearts to uh, make a difference. And um, my platform is coming off the NFL field as a alumni Super Bowl. Rams cheerleader. That's right. Yay. Back back in the day when we were the greatest show on turf. Oh, yeah. Isaac Bruce and Tori Holt, and Ernie Conwell, and Marshall Falk, and Kurt Warner. He's got his movie just came out, which is, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Kurt Warner's movie just came out um, about yes. a month ago. Yeah. Great it movie. It is, is amazing. I, yeah, great movie. And, um, yeah, Dick Vermeil. Um, so, yeah, it was part of that part of that group and um, it was kind of something as I retired and came off the field, I wanted to use my platform to really make a difference. I know a lot of the NFL players start charities and different organizations and you don't hear uh, very often the NFL cheerleaders doing that. And so I'm one of very few Um, and my father was diagnosed with Parkinson's Mm -hmm. um, right around the same time uh, Michael J. Fox went public with his disease. And so, uh, team gateway to a cure, what we do is we focus not just on the research part of it, um, raising funds and educating people on what the up and coming therapies and research for Parkinson's and other brain diseases such as MS, ALS, Lewy bodies, dementia, Alzheimer's, concussion, brain, di- brain cancers, tumors, but the, the other side of the disease, and that's the caregiver. Right. And that's where Muhammad Ali, um, their legacy uh, foundation, their program came in to um, uh, our foundation as we collaborate together to really focus on the caregiver, the one that, that's behind the scenes, that is caring for their loved one that's battling one of these diseases. And I had such an honor uh a number of years ago to meet Lani Ali mm-hmm. Muhammad's widow right. and she was so so um inspiring to really uh talk to me in in detail what Muhammad's legacy stood for as we all know that he battled with parkinsons right. uh the greatest fighter in in the, in the ring um That's exactly and right. um if it wasn't for Muhammad's doctors and his loved ones and his family and friends Um, A perfect example, he would never have been able to light the torch at the Olympics if it wasn't for his caregiver group, his team, to give him hope and comfort so he could be the best while he battled the disease. And so Team Gateway to a Cure, what we do is we really, really educate and focus on the caregiver, the one behind the scenes in the home and uh, in the home that is surrounded by their loved one that you know, at the end of their day as a caregiver, where do they go for their support? They, um, oftentimes have anxiety and have bouts of depression and they, they, they hit a wall and they don't have much support, um, financially, uh, physically, emotionally. And, um, so when they tuck their loved one in bed, and they're done with giving them a bath and changing their sheet bed sheets and feeding them and giving them the medicine and taking them to and from doctor appointments and making sure they're all comfortable in the home, who's taking care of them at the end of their day? That's right. And so what we do is we educate them. We have resources to help them know where to go for financial support, emotional support, Um, physical support, uh, educational support. And so we're a resource-based charity. Now, not to say that, you know, research and raising funds for the Fox Foundation absolutely is so important for for any disease. But until we have a cure, we have a caregiver behind the scenes. And so that's really what our focus is on. uh, As Team Gateway to a Cure, our 501c3, um, we've Focus our efforts on the. Well, I love it.
1: I love it. Um, ever since you told me a few years ago, um, if everybody knows, we've been in contact for several years. So, like I said, you know, it's 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 my honor. It's my pleasure to have you on my show. And anything that we can do, and I know, uh, stay tuned, yeah. listeners. I know something's coming soon. Um, I'm not going to release it right now, but we do have some plans coming up for some um, charitable uh, events. And uh, just anything that you can do to support this, uh, again, uh, definitely, definitely appreciate you sharing with that. And honestly, that's a that's a major, major thing. Um, so let me kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let Thank me, you let me so transition much. a little bit here um, because we'll get back to the team gateway to a cure in a moment here. But um, you just told me, you know, former NFL cheerleader that experience, um, St. Louis Rams. You know, I want to know two things. I want to know, first, what was the fondest memory that you had being an NFL cheerleader? And then also, how did that actually help you? You know, some people when it comes to um, those networks and those connections that you meet, um, individuals, not only the players, but everybody that's associated with a professional sports team or professional sports league. You know, they make those, um, they call them, uh, what do they call them, the, the sisterhood or the brotherhood that, uh, that you make those connections for life?
2: Yeah, that is such a great question. You know, I uh, forever will be an ambassador of the NFL. And the family unit, no matter what team you're on, what team you're playing for, rooting for, whatever, the whole NFL family has been nothing but supportive with my efforts with Team Gateway to a Cure. If it wasn't for the village behind the scenes, I wouldn't be able to be where I'm at today. Um, I I think the fondest memory for me is all of the amazing friendships that I have I have made um, over the last number of years. Um, I will go to charity events and different functions, and it's just like a quiet thing. You just don't even you don't even need to even speak a word and you see an NFL player, alumni, a cheerleader, a coach, um, an employee of some sort. And Mm -hmm. you just, it's like a, it's just like a natural bond. Like we get each other's language and we, we understand we were all groomed from the very get go. And what I mean by that is they take the selection process as serious for a player, just as serious as, they select a coach, a cheerleader, somebody that's working for the organization. And the reason they take the selection process so serious is because when you walk away and step off the field, right. you will forever represent that, that business, that that brand. And so they, 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 they take the selection process, let's say for a player, uh, you, you, you can you can be one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. like Tom Brady in the business, but it takes more than just mm-hmm. a great arm. You've got to be a leader on the field. You've got to be a man off the field. You've got to represent as, as, a, as, a, as a family man, um, uh, a leadership role. Um, you've got to be the, the, the person right. that walks the walk and talks the talk, because it's more than just a fast 40-yard dash and you, you can catch a bunch of footballs. But if you don't know how to maintain respect and hold yourself accountable, and be uh, coachable, and listen to direction, and be also a leader. Um, they're 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 not going to take the time um, or spend the money on you because uh, they want a well-rounded person that's going to represent their brand. So when I when I speak on behalf of the selection process sure. um, in terms of the cheerleaders, um, it, it's it's a couple of months
0: uh sure
2: long process you don't just try out uh for instance when i tried out for the team um i walked into um mrs frontieri actually Mm -hmm. um brought the team from la to st louis um and uh when i heard the announcement on the radio um, that she was holding open auditions. I thought, you know, I had a sure. lot of background in cheerleading through college and high school and gymnastics, but NFL cheerleading is more of a dance. They're 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 there to um, entertain the crowd. It's not acrobatic mm-hmm. like what I'm used to, stunting and that st- sort of thing. So when I walked into this. Crowd of beautiful women, thousands of girls, trying out for 40 spots. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's just no way. I'm just this little peanut that has very little dance experience. But you know what? I'm going to go in. Uh, if I make a friend, good for me, and I'm going to have a blast. And that's exactly what I did. And um, I went in, and I actually um, I found some really, really good girls that are very skilled in dance and I kind of like
0: there you
2: go. kind of like made friends with them and kind of migrated toward them and just followed what they did and asked them to, you know, give me a lot of uh, feedback and, and critique me and help me, because I had that weakness. I had a lot of other strengths that maybe they didn't, but the weakness for me was my dancing. And so um, with that being said, if you can coach me, I'm coachable, I will learn and I will do until in order to secure my spot. Well, over uh, the next couple of hours, they kind of weed out the the, the weakest. And I ended up making it um, to uh, the final round. And uh, that final round brought brought the selection of girls to about 75. And those 75 girls, uh, you had to uh, show up for practice for about a month. And you show up on Tuesdays and Thursdays and you practice you learn the routine they watch how you interact with the other girls Um, they also put you out in the public to see how you interact with public um, how you speak how you hold yourself and then they put you in summer camp just like the players and they they exhaust you i mean call time is 6 a.m in full makeup and hair ready to go because the cameras are there video tv whatever you've got to be promo ready and then they push you hard for you know, four or five hours, you get a lunch break, and then another four or five hours of of constant routines and and training and drills and uh, technical work. And and you do that for a whole week. And they push you to absolute exhaustion to see how you can stand the pressure. Um, And then uh, they do a full board um, interview, business attire, and uh, really dive into the kind of person you are. What kind of things you know you're interested in? What are some of your passions? What are you desires in your life? What do you What do you really? Um, um, uh, what do you? Your heart strong? You know. What are some of the things that you're really um, faithful about? What are the things like in terms of the community? What kind of things do you like to get involved in? And so um, after about a month. They um, they make the announcement, wow, okay. and I was
1: one of the. Top well, I love the boys. process. I love the process. So every year,
2: yeah, yeah, and and just because you're um a, a, so in that first year you're a rookie, you know, of course, of course. the veterans kind of all push right. you around, which is great, you know, it's all right. But then the next year you got to try out again. There's no, there's like no the spot secured, right? You're not secured mm-hmm. a, a, a spot, spot on the team. No, no, and uh, there's always someone hungrier behind you, chasing you down, wanting that spot. And so you have to go through the whole process again. And I think that's a really, really good thing because it keeps you current. It keeps you your, your technique on point. It keeps you hungry in the game. It, um, it allows you to um, really take a look at yourself and say, okay, what are my weaknesses? What are my strengths? What do I really need to really focus on? And then you look at your people who you have in your, in your, in your, um, circle and say, all right, I need you to watch, you know, while I'm doing this routine, what are some of the things that I need to work on? And in terms of speaking, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that I need to work on when I'm engaging in the public, um, in the public eye? So, um, yeah, so, and, and I think that Eric was probably the fondest memories, summer, summer camps and, um, every player if you interview every player will say the exact same thing that I'm going to tell you right now. And when I go to um, events and I go to reunions and I see players, I see coaches, I see other cheerleaders. They all say the exact same thing. One of the most amazing memories they Mm -hmm. all have is locker room. No, the locker of course, room. Right. I'm not saying that the plays on the field and winning games and catching football and you know cheering for you know the crowd when everyone's excited. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's an adrenaline rush you'll never ever feel again. But when you go back to the locker room, oh my goodness! Right there are so many practical jokes and fun and just goofiness and just laughter and just. Some of the greatest. I mean, it's like like the dudes are dude talking in the locker room, the girls are girl talking in the locker room, and you know we're you know playing practical jokes and just being silly and taking pictures and videos, and it's just it's just that that to me was probably one of the best memories when I was with the Rams. Um, And um, from all of that, moving forward in my life, I would Mm -hmm. have to say the networking of people. Uh, a lot of people ask me, oh, Jen, you know, you didn't get paid much. No, we didn't. We didn't get paid like the players. Absolutely not. But you don't do it because of a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I did it because it opened a lot of doors, and I use that to better my life. I have some of the most amazing mentors that I reach out to even today um, from the last 20-some years that that have my back when I'm in trouble if I need Um, help, if I need a door opened. if I need a favor, if I need somebody, you know, a mentor to to look at something that I might be going through and say, hey, what am I missing? What do I need? Um, What do I need to look at while I'm going through this thing that I'm going through in life? And I think that is priceless. Um, But, you know, so yeah, it would have been nice to make the money like the players. But I know that along the way through this journey, um, what I'm doing now with all of my networking today, sure. and we can talk a mm-hmm. lot about that. I've got a children's book yeah, that I'm doing. I was I'm about to ask you doing. about that. <laughs> it's just about finished. I'm working on a, yep, I'm working on a documentary right. movie with Tom Brady, Drew right. Brees, and Nolan Ryan, and Tom House, who's the uh, quarterback and uh, Major League Tom Baseball House. pitcher, Coach Tom House um he's the one that trains and coaches mm-hmm. all the quarterbacks in the NFL he's you know Tom Brady's uh right hand man um and now Mac Jones who's the the say. goat <laughs> of the Patriots right, right now um he's the new Brady yeah he's also in the movie um and the movie is a documentary about Tom House's life parkinson's. and who has now battling parkinson's and so um that's the connection with um with me and in the movie and the movie really really focuses um half of the movie really really focuses um and and showcases how incredibly important a caregiver is and we can talk a lot about that too later but to answer your question those those are the two um the the locker room and the networking and the people um are probably one of the greatest memories and then although the friendships that i've had along the way are just they're just priceless hey i wouldn't be i wouldn't have met you if i wouldn't
0: you know (laughs) uh
1: you're right exactly i was about to say the networking side of it you know um i think you touched on a lot of great things um i want to focus on one in specific that you really said and i think a lot of young athletes coming out of high school before the college experience and the possibility of possibly going professional um at whatever sport i think they they don't understand that Sports is very similar when it comes to creating and operating a business, um, an entrepreneur. So you yes. know, for instance, in your case, like you said about when you're when you're talking about not being paid as much, it's one of those things that got to plant that seed. You know, those seeds that you planted, that you tended to, you're harvesting with your endeavors, things that you're doing. And I think a lot of times people forget about that step where. You have to sacrifice and you have to plant the seed. And if you don't really tend to it, whether you're building relationships or you're just, you know, pretty much, um, you know, holding back and saying, well, you know, I can do it on my own. Well, it's, you know, in reality, look at team sports. It's very hard to do anything on your own on the field and especially off the field. So I think uh, that's great sharing that. Um, And I uh, I really appreciate that, and I want to know a lot more about that movie. I'm very interested. I know that you had mentioned that to me before, so we'll get back to that. But you did mention about your books, and um, I'm very interested in the ones that you have in development and published because I also mentioned that uh, I'm very into, very much into, you know, reading uh, projects for, um, you know, people that I have on my show, fellow Crashers, as I call. Yeah,
2: them. and to go back to the point you just made about um, younger yeah. athletes, you know, a really important lesson or thought that kind of comes to my mind that I would love to share with your listeners is we live sure. we live in an instant gratifying world. Everything is now, 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 right. now. Whether it's a diet, whether it's a post on Instagram, how many likes, you know, um, mm-hmm. Facebook, you know, I post something, did everybody like it? Did everybody like it? You know, we, selfies, you know, how many people like me, you know, it's it's it, it, and it's 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 interesting because instant gratification isn't what makes you good, makes you amazing. It it takes time, and you would be fooling yourself if you thought just because you have a little talent or a lot of talent that that is what is going to be the thing that is going to push you into. 20 years from now, Tom Brady doesn't win seven Super Bowls because he's talented. He won seven Super Bowls because he listened to the masters. He's coachable. He followed the formula and he did what he needed to do consistently over time. And he surrounded himself around the people that knew how to get him to that big place. Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, the, the, and even in basketball, I mean, Kobe, the, yes, I'm not taking anything away from the talent. I didn't have much talent as a dancer. I was coachable, but I also listened to the people that told me what I needed to do in order to make the marathon of this journey. And if you look at it, if you look at it in that perspective, you build and build and build. It's like one brick at a time and you're building a wall. You know, I had the really great honor to um, meet uh, Mac Jones's mom, Holly, at the National Quarterback um, Club uh, Legacy Award Ceremony a few weeks ago back in Scottsdale, Arizona. They gave the Legacy Award to Tom House. And Mac Jones was given a award for Rookie of the Year. And so you have Tom House, who's coached Tom Brady, who's won seven Super Bowls, and now is coaching um, Mac Jones, who's the up-and-coming number one quarterback in the NFL, who's amazingly talented. I was um, friends with Mac and introduced Mac and Tom together, Tom House. And I was able to uh, get really get to know his mom, Holly. And it's interesting that it's a business; it's everything that they are around, from the philanthropic charities they're involved in, the things that Max endorsing, um, the, the 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 things, the people that he's around, the training, the nutrition, the sleep, the things that Tom House is teaching him. Tom is actually working a little bit with my son, Zach, um, who's actually uh, ranked first in the state of Illinois uh, as a freshman uh, for cross country and track. He's breaking records. Yeah, thanks. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's Tom is, House is, is an amazing um, man when it comes to the, the physiology and the biomechanics and the science behind it, because the science speaks the data. And the data is what drives the behavior. And if you follow the science, the behavior will be perfection. Why do you think Tom Brady doesn't have injuries? My son has been working with Tom now for a couple months. My son has never had an injury. And it also goes to show Drew Brees. Drew Brees worked with Tom House. Drew Brees had a terrible injury. And he rehabbed, followed his advice, Tom House's advice, to a T. Months later, he's back on the field breaking records. So what I'm saying is you've got to trust the science. You've got to trust your people that you have around you. And you've got to be patient and allow yourself to go through the process. Because when you come on the other end, how much better are you going to enjoy the process? If if it was instant gratifying, it's like you wouldn't have been able to enjoy all the hard sweat and tears that went along the way. I'm not saying it was all rainbows and sunshine and laughter the, all the, the all of the, these years when you're training hard as an NFL player. Or, you know, yeah, of course it's going to be painful. Yeah, there's going to be some injuries or you're going to get hurt or you're going to have exactly. days where you're just going to feel really down and, 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 and just everything's going horrible exactly. for you. Exactly, and I always say – you pick yourself hard up work and you surround yourself with good when people talent and you have to follow the formula
1: and honestly it's all about delayed gratification so you know that's something that is uh is essential absolutely uh so so yeah uh tell us a little bit about your your books i'm very interested in knowing a little bit about the books that you got going on
2: christina comes home and talks to her mom and she says mom i've noticed that dad hasn't been behaving, acting this like he used to. Something's wrong. Something's off I, I'm not sure what's going on. And so the mom sits her down and says that your dad has Parkinson's. And because of that generation, she's in middle school. She went back to her room at her desk and started Googling and researching what Parkinson's is. And so I think through the imagination of a child's, through the imagination of a child's eyes, how important it is that even though you are younger, you can still give hope and comfort and love to anyone that's battling something. It doesn't have to be expensive, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to be a great caregiver. And so the book, Cheer for Care, she comes up with all kinds of great ways to cheer dad on. So one of the things in Parkinson's, your voice doesn't project as well. You have uh, shuffling in your step, your gait. Your handwriting is real small. Um, you have tremors. Your hands, your extremities start to shake. Mm-hmm. And um, you have dyskinesia, which is twitching in your head, in your shoulders, from, this, from the, 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 um, uh, the medication that you're taking. And so Christina comes up with some really, really creative ways to help dad um, while he's going through those symptoms of Parkinson's. And what you find is that dad actually, his behavior changes. He becomes a lot more jovial. He becomes a lot more enthusiastic. He's not as down and sad and depressed. And so it's really interesting, Eric, that the younger generation really, really, really want to be philanthropic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't know how. They're very kind, big hearted, and they want to give, but they sometimes often feel like it has to be expensive or it has to cost a lot. You know, thank goodness for technology or you and I wouldn't be on the phone right now sure. talking. But right. you, if you don't live close to a loved one and your um, dad or grandparent is going through something, you can FaceTime them, give them a mm-hmm. phone call, send them an email, Snapchat them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they've got these frames out uh, video frames and photo frames that you can send pictures from your phone directly to the frame. And, um, you know, just, just, just those little images and just those little moments bring so much joy. I mean, we can even, there's called Uber eats. You can send a meal over to them if you can't be in front of them or cook Mm -hmm. for them and you can't, you live in a different state. Um, so there's lots of really, really creative ways that you can, give love and hope and comfort to your loved one when they're battling. You don't necessarily have to be a live-in caregiver. And if you are, for instance, my mom is, reach out to other family and friends to come in and give you some respite. You know, because of COVID, I think so many people want to keep their loved ones at home. They don't want to put them in a nursing home or a a facility, which absolutely the facilities are, are great if that's what, you need to do. And that's the dynamic of your family. But if you have the option to stay home, I think people really need to understand that you can actually get paid. There's paid leave. If you work, there's maternity leave where there's caregiver leave. So you ask your employer, um, I need to spend some time with my parent or my grandparent or a loved one at home for six or nine or 12 weeks. You actually can be get paid to stay home with your loved one um and um without sacrificing your job um, there's also the family national caregiver act there's three or 650 billion dollars in this act that the Mm -hmm. government has set aside through medicare and medicaid and they give it in in grant funds um the funds that come to the state and they allocate it to education or or schools or different programs. Well, there's a caregiver programs. And so what you need to do if you're in this position and you want to get paid or you want to help subsidize because you don't have the money to put your loved one in a home, you can actually get an advocate. So kind of same thing as somebody who goes on welfare or needs uh, support with children or food stamps. You go to the um, office, the government office, and they assign you an advocate. And that advocate actually sets you up to bring funding to you to stay in the home so that your loved one has the confines of their home. They can see the pictures of their loved ones. They can hear their loved one's voices. They can smell the foods of the home. They can, they can come and go as they please. There's no limitations as you would have in a nursing home. And so because of the COVID situation and all of us going through quarantine, I think we have had a little taste of what a caregiver's life is like. It's very lonely. People are not coming over and bringing food and seeing how you're doing. And so this gives you the option if you have a loved one and you are in that situation and you do work, but you have the option to stay with them full time, you can get compensated financially for it. Perfect. And those are the things that the team, our foundation team, Gateway to a Cure, you can go on our website, teamgatewaytoacure.org, and we walk you through the steps. You can shoot us an email and we can help uh, facilitate and, and put you in the right direction to help, you through this process because a lot of people don't know. And you know why? Because the baby boomers are now going through the process of Mm -hmm. the age, the aging, the symptoms, the diseases. They're starting to, to, you know, be diagnosed with those things. And so the mentality of the other loved one is I want to be God junior. I want to save the day. I want to do it all. Everybody else stay away because I can do this. Actually, you can't. And it's kind of arrogant and, um, you know, egotistical. And I say that in a kind way for you to think that you can do everything because now you're sacrificing your own happiness just to say that you can do it all Mm -hmm. when you are actually denying other family members from letting them come in and love their, their loved ones too. So it's really a great way when you look at it in that perspective to allow the other family members and friends to come in and maybe cook a meal or maybe watch your loved one while you go and do some errands or get out of the house and take care of some things, or maybe even take a nap, you know? Right. Or go out with a girlfriend and do girl talk or dude talk with you're a guy. And so it's really important because you wanna remember who you are too so that you can be the best version of you in your home caring for your loved one, if that makes sense.
1: And I, and I absolutely and I and I think um, I think it's really important uh, especially after um, reading a lot of the literature that you sent me for the organization and the causes and you know really what motivates um, you know what what the purpose is of um, where you're going in terms of the direction uh, I think it's important and it's it's pretty much like a three-part question but Um, One thing I'm I'm interested in knowing is, uh, let's just say my listeners, um, that can help uh, facilitate anything that they, you know, can do as far as helping with what which is really big, the resources for the caregivers. Um, you know, what can be done. I do see that there is there there's a volunteer section on the on the website. I wanted to touch on that. And then also um, end of the year, early 2023, anything that you have, um, you know, that you would like to say as far as any type of events um, and any type of information that Individuals can really, um, you know, support and fully, yeah, that's a great thank you so
2: much for bringing that up. We are actually uh, the film House of Arms, which is the documentary about Tom House, who for years have created some of the greatest athletes, Hall of Fame athletes of all time um, in the NFL and baseball, Um, and um, what he did to bring them to that level to become the greatest athlete of their time he's now using the same to battle the greatest disease of his life and so he's using the same concepts to for survival and Mm -hmm. so what the movie talks about is it goes through all of the new and upcoming treatment and therapies that are out there that people need to understand not just for Parkinson's but all different brain diseases and diseases at large but um and then this other side of it is how important a caregiver is when Tom is traveling. Tom House is traveling the country, uh, doing clinics for the younger generation athletes. He has a traveling caregivers, the coaches that that he has travel with him. How important they are while he's traveling, as well as his wife when Marie House, his wife, when she's home with Tom, how she goes through the day to day um, activities to make sure that Tom is the best that he needs to be. And so when the movie, the house of arms is released this fall, the trailer's just about finished. We're going to have a world premiere in Boston, uh, oh. the Boston film festival. Awesome. And I would love for volunteers to come out and be a part of this world premiere movie. Um, we also, uh, every year when you check the website, at the National uh, Quarterback um, Club is going to host a, um, a dinner event. Um, oops, sorry, I left my ear.
0: A okay. dinner event
2: <laughs> to um, uh, recognize uh, caregivers and Parkinson's and raise money for Team Gateway to a Cure so we can give money to people who are in financial hardships that want to stay home and care for their loved one we would love to have volunteers there. And, you know, of course, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and a lot of these, uh, you know, really names of athlete high, uh, famous names of athletes will be there in the crowd and you'll be able to meet them, but we would love for people to be, you know, there to help volunteer. So um, we have a lot of things that are happening um, throughout the year that, toward the end of this year, but also of next year, And then also, um, when my book is released, um, my goal, uh, for next year is to do book signings in different libraries and different school systems, different schools all throughout Mm -hmm. the country. Um, and I would love to have volunteers helping me, um, when I announce my dates and where I'm going to be to have those volunteers help, um, help me at, you know, those, um, at those book signings. And that would be great too. So, um and and that would be great. And sometimes if you are a college student and you're looking for credit hours for community service, because as a cheerleader, an NFL cheerleader and an NFL football player, you're, you know, required to do community service. And sometimes like my daughter's going to nursing school, she's required for nursing school. Uh, they have to do community service. And a lot of college students have to do so many hours. I would love for the college students to, to, to use their volunteer hours with team gateway to a cure that would be awesome
1: well what i'm going to end up doing is um i don't know if i mentioned i am in the process of the construction of the actual sporting crashers official pot podcast website so it will be a um, highly interactive website that will have the capability of having for instance in, in this particular case, having um, the volunteer sheet um, pretty much directly linked to your website so they can sign up on my site directly to um, the form that you are that you have available on your I love so, that. Um, listeners, um, yeah, listeners, uh, in a few months, I, it's going to be less than a few months, but probably by the end of June, I'll have it up and running. Um, so that's a, definitely something that I'd love to do. And as far as um, helping with the volunteer work. Um, I live right now in the Dallas Fort Worth area, have friends and pretty much everywhere. So, you know, when it comes to this power of social media, definitely we're going to, we're going to help push that. Yeah, that so, I can um, use volunteers. I'm going to tell you right now, I, 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 I am going to volunteer <laughs> and I'm going to be in attendance I, for both. Absolutely. I'm telling you right now. So you heard it here here, yeah, folks, social media, <laughs> oh, I would perfect.
0: Love
2: volunteers to help, you know, push out the message the Foundation, Team Gateway to a Cure, as well as House of Arms, the documentary movie. But the one last thing that I do want to touch on is um, the um, Washington Post just had Tom House mm-hmm. on the front page. I okay. don't know if you saw that on my social media post today. On I, I, I I saw it. Yes, so I did. So his mm-hmm. app has gone viral. It's called Mustard. And Mustard is an app where he takes the exact same teaching Concepts that he has trained the greatest: Brady, Breeze, Nolan, uh, Ryan, uh, Johnson, Randy Johnson. I mean, some of the greatest. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow. I mean, he is using the same teaching techniques on this app. Wow! And you can take a video of your athlete, of your child, whether it's baseball, running, quarterback football, whatever it is. Um, and you can upload it on the app. And Tom, Tom House, will analyze it and give you feedback. And what happens is the feedback and the data start building on the app. And over time, you'll see improvement. He will Mm -hmm. critique. He'll analyze. He'll give feedback. And it's just a really, really great way to keep the younger generation intensely involved and want to keep driving absolutely for, to become better and better and better without injuries
1: that's that's the most the science, important thing
2: the science speaks for itself and when that's you right. follow the data that's that's the that's the big thing when it comes to athletes because you want them to stay healthy and you want good mentorship good information not the bad stuff because I'm not saying that coaches don't give them good information, but sometimes it's overdrive. It's just too much. And if you listen to the ones that really know the science behind it, there's less chance of injury and a lot better chance of improvement long term.
1: Well, just to repeat to our listeners, I know a lot of them are moms and dads, and I know a lot of them have kids in sports. The application is called Mustard. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great, great application. It's a great concept. It's something that, um, is, is needed nowadays. I mean, when we're talking about, uh, uh, analytics and growth, but doing it in a way that doesn't cause injury and prevents injury, that's the most important thing. I think that's, uh, a key thing and, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be involved in it. Um, definitely would help with the push and and everything like that. So, um, thanks for sharing that.
2: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So, so much. Well, Um, Tom house, Tom, well, I was going to share real quick. Tom house wrote the book million dollar arm, where he took two, two young men from two different countries, never picked up a baseball in their life. And in one year they both signed million dollar contracts. So what I'm saying is when I speak on the science and Tom trained them for one year and they both signed million dollar contracts after one year in pitching in the major league baseball, you follow the science.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm not
2: saying that you have to have some talent. Absolutely. But these two gentlemen, it's called The Million Dollar Arm. It's a book. He wrote it. If you follow the science, the data speaks for itself. It's just interesting to hear this man talk. So I love that. I just thought it would. Yeah.
1: No, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I'll tell you what um listeners i think that we are gonna have a follow-up episode maybe later in the year or early next year and i would love to get him and yourself back on the show so we can you know pretty much uh update um what what's going on and everything Absolutely. when it comes to the uh the progress of the application the, the progress of um the training of of individuals you know that he might be working with um and i and, and again when it comes to sports when it comes to uh those whether you're, you know, a young player in high school or college, it's always important to know what the science is behind it. And, and, and of course, um, it's just it's gratifying to me that somebody that has trained the GOAT, Mr. Tom Brady himself, um, also takes the time to really uh, prepare those that are next in line, but in a way that will have the longevity because we all know NFL usually is not for long, but you know, when it comes to um, having somebody that really does take the time to perfect his craft, that's, that's where you become a masterclass. Absolutely. I
2: love that you said that. And I think what you said earlier to Eric was the fact that it is a business. If you take it serious and you just have patience and let the science speak for itself and just follow that data you will be amazed at how much more enjoyable the whole long journey you won't be have the tendency to find a try to desire that instant gratification.
1: I agree 100 percent. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining the show and being our fellow Crasher. One more time, can you please let our listeners know where they can find out all the information for Team Gateway to a Cure, please?
2: Yes, TeamGatewayToaCure.org. You can follow us. Uh, well, that's our website, TeamGatewayToaCure.org. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Snapchat, I mean, all, you know, it's all on the website. So if you want to find me, just go to the website team, gatewaytoacure.org.
1: Perfect. And once again, like I said, thanks again. I know for a fact I'll have you on a future episode. Um, Please keep us posted (laughs) on events and what's happening and uh, listeners that are going to be loyal fans of the podcast. You'll see me at these events because not only am I going to attend, but I'll also be volunteering.
2: I love Thanks it. Thanks again. Thank you
0: so much. God bless. God bless. Bye. We'll be right Bye-bye. back. Welcome back, everybody, to episode three of the
1: Sporting Crashers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Martinez. I got the pleasure and the opportunity finally with my brother. I've been having a chance to get him on the show. Yes. Finally being met the one and only that go to guy, Ife Ekpanuma. Man. Glad to have you on the show, bro. Oh, man. Let me let me hit him with some coming to America lines.
3: I am so happy to be here right now.
1: You yes. already know, man. The, in, the industry's favorite Nigerian. You know what it is. Yes. Hey, let him know. I call him this generation's Diddy. Yes. Let our listeners know, man, before we start yes. talking sports about what you got going on with this entertainment world.
3: Man, I have been an inter- entertainment entrepreneur for 11 plus years. And let me tell you. I've been here, there, everywhere with the skills. So, you know, been involved in music curated, some of South Carolina's hip-hop's best cypher um, videos, um, made cameos and videos with Sadie Hawkins, shout out to my guy Mantis as well. Um, I've I've done photo shoots and I've actually had some photos of mine actually appear in the art museum here in Columbia, South Carolina, Um, been able to meet Um, amazing hip-hop talent like um, Fife Dog, may he rest in peace, but being able to dap him up and say, I grew up on your music, that means a lot. So, you know, I've I've done a lot, you know, might have to update the entertainment resume, but I just really do it for the art form. When they say doing it for the culture, yeah, I think there's probably a picture of myself somewhere in that equation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Much respect, bro. A lot of people that know me know I've been in the entertainment industry for a minute too. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely gotta always say, this has been my right-hand man for everything that people have seen with my previous endeavors, my Gen Facio magazine. So this is my guy right here, Ife, that go-to guy. So much love, bro. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. So I see you got your uh, your Gamecock colors on fresh to death. So, you know, Gamecock nation, I know you're an alum of the, the great University of South Carolina. So before we talk basketball and, and hoops, because I know you're sitting on top of the world with that, uh, let, let, me, let me get you a little insight, man, because I know you got some highly talented recruits and uh, transfers that came into the Gamecocks this, uh, this previous offseason. Yep. You know, so let me know what's going on, man, with the whole Beamer ball, Shane Beamer, and I know you got some, some great expectations here. I know yeah. the schedule might be fierce, but you know, I know when it comes to the SEC... Every day's a challenge, absolutely. so Shane Beamer was around
3: when we had three consecutive seasons of eleven and two football. so he was um, a recruiting coach, so he's had that experience with the program before um, went off to hire and better things was in Oklahoma learning under the genius that is Lincoln Riley, so he's gonna bring some of those offensive. Um, philosophies, those offensive play calls, with his own unique spin to it, to USC. So he wanted to be here. Um, He was born in South Carolina. So this is home for him. So he would love to come home and make this program a standout program. So, you know, we are reaping the benefits almost immediately. First season was really good. We had the bowl game. We beat UNC, even though they have the more touted talent. And and the and the bigger awareness of their football program, that's Beamer ball. You don't quit until it hits all zeros, right. given everything that you got. And then now, um, the five-star quarterback that was at Oklahoma and one of their highly touted tight ends comes to USC. So, we we have something mm-hmm. to build up on. So it's 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 exciting. So let me not answer the whole question all at once, but, you know. Right. You, you start from the top. Coach is the the CEO, of the organization. And then if he has great energy, it's just going to trickle down to everybody else.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly the energy that's needed to build that program. I mean, it's already it's already has its its foundation. You know, again, sometimes when it comes to these players that are five star recruits right out of high school, you know, uh, in this particular case, it's a little bit unique because of the the show qb1 um that pretty much uh recorded and and pretty much exposed his senior year at pinnacle spencer rattler is is in my opinion um just as good as anybody in the country and and i know that there was moments last year that it was in question to see exactly you know uh caleb williams that was at oklahoma under uh lincoln riley you know had certain type of of knowledge or when it came to execution, I would say, you know, in certain play calls and things like that, that were possibly favoring him or leaning towards him. But, you know, you get somebody that wants to compete, you know, and I think in the SEC, when when we're talking about what's the difference between one team and another, most of the time you're looking at defense, you're looking at creating turnovers, stopping the run, you know, but when when we when we looked at, I mean, think about it like this, we had another national championship of two SEC uh, quarterbacks, two SEC teams that were just going back and forth. I mean, look at this previous NFL draft. How many, how many wide receivers did we see? And how many of those wide receivers did we see that came from the SEC? That part. <laughs> so I got you, man. I got you. Yes. Man. Well, I definitely, uh, I definitely wish you guys all the best of luck, you know, and I think when it comes to just kind of dissecting the schedule – there are some games that are difficult there are some games that historically south carolina you know can get that win it, it, there's a lot of road games that i see that might be challenging um but i think that you know keeping the course especially early in the season mm-hmm. is important uh especially you know having a guy like spencer radler you know austin stogner coming from oklahoma yeah. um i know you guys got a, a a strong safety that just came over from Gardner Webb. I think his name is Jalen Foster. So that's another, you know, key cog that you need when it comes to solidifying most of the to the transfers. And then most of the four. Um, I believe you guys got a, fi- a couple of five-star recruits. So you know, it's it, it looks like a good season, man. It looks like there's potential there. Um, and you know, when we're talking about the teams that can fight to get to Atlanta, I would I would put them in the category. I would definitely do that. It's just you got to take care of the division wins, hundred percent.
3: That's it. It all it all starts in the division. Whether whether you're in college or in your you're in the NFL, you're not going to rise to the top of the league if you can't even defend home or be able to be a star worth in your own division. So with that being said, on um, the SEC East, um, of course, you know who's going to be at the top of the list. It's going to be Florida. It's going to be the Georges of the world. And, and that's and that's good, um, but we've gotten talent out of Florida. We've gotten talent out of Georgia. Sure. So with us being able to have a five-star recruit like Spencer Rather come over here, um, we have we have Beamer Ball. The thing is, you know, and you know this sounds cliche, but you know you have to say it, you're gonna finish how you start. So you got to start with confidence, you got to start with momentum. and if there is a game that you're supposed to win win that game, because when you win, it's momentum building into the next game. Not saying that if you have a good game beforehand that you can't lose the next game, but just saying, hey, I'm not I'm not beating myself up because I could have won, but I made a silly mistake. I won because I was fundamentally sound. I'm bringing that I'm bringing the fundamentals. I'm bringing that workman lunch pail mentality to the next game. Not saying that, hey, we're so extremely talented, we don't have to prepare. It's always, you know, you gotta, you gotta plan because, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And, and one thing about um, right. Shane Beamer, he doesn't plan to fail because he could have been in any other program if he wanted to. He said, "I'm coming back to where I started. I'm coming back to my roots." And yes, you know, we had, we had, a, we had a run, and now people are looking at us like, "Hey, they're in the SEC," but you know, sometimes they turn it on and turn it off. We want to be. Right. We want to. We want people circling the calendar for us and saying, "This is going to be a tough game," and this is going. This sure. is going to be a game we got to bring it, or we're we're going to lose. That's that's the type of mentality that I feel that Beamer is going to bring to this program, and pretty soon it's going to it's going to go ahead and spread to the whole fan base because we're we're ready for wins. That's simple as that. Ready well, for wins. I,
1: I I'll say this. I'll say say this to kind of summarize pretty much how I feel about you guys right now. There was all kinds of teams contacting Spencer, right? I mean, everybody was looking, they knew what was happening in Oklahoma. Didn't necessarily know if Lincoln Riley would take the USC job with the Trojans and didn't know if Caleb Williams was gonna transfer or not. Yes. But everybody was knocking on the doorstep. There's a team that he chose and there's all kinds of reasons that he chose it. But at the end of the day, it's about what's the potential and what's the possibility to get to his college goals, right? Fulfilling what he didn't necessarily possibly accomplish in Oklahoma, which, you know, we all, a lot of us saw the, the, the show, QB1, yeah. the exposure that he got. So I know how committed he was going to Oklahoma. And sometimes, that's that's the humbling part, right? That's the humbling part because sometimes we're shown something that we really think that that's how it's going to work out. But that's why these trans, the transfer portal and having the opportunities to go to a new place, having a, a clean slate, that's where that character is built. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time. Yeah. We have. We've been seeing that a lot.
3: Yeah. And one thing, even though um, I, I hail from... An SEC school, and I got the student loan debt to prove it. It's something about back. the Big Twelve. Oh man! It's something about the Big Twelve and those quarterbacks. Because I'm thinking um, the the current quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I forget his name. It's not the new guy, even though he's a Carolina product, oh. kind of sorta. Of, I don't mention the other school because I don't have a degree.
1: Oh Lord, you're I mean, you're talking about Mr. Controversy I'm himself? Not, Mr. No, Baker, no, Rayfield. no. We're
3: we gonna stay clear of that. We just gonna mention no name. You know, good for the SEO. But um, the current quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, he was—he was, he was at actually my dad's alma mater. Shout out to Texas Tech Red Raiders. He was there. Right. He bet on himself, went to Oklahoma, and the rest is history. Then you have another Texas Tech guy, and I don't know why, but I would just be watching his watching his football games, and he was putting up Madden numbers in college. My homie my mm-hmm. Patrick, my, my home, you know, Patrick. Oh my gosh. Set in the know. NFL on fire. So it's something about big 12 quarterbacks. And now that we have a big 12 quarterback implant and Spencer yeah. Rattler, this is the sec. Right. This is where defenses, you know, you want to play defense in the sec because we've, we've had people like Ken Law, you know, Davion Clowney, yeah. um, all types, all types of defensive guys go high up in the draft because got to play defense in the sec and we may not be the best got team, to. but we play defense. So there, there right. it goes. But, um, with that being said, That's right. Hey, Spencer Rattler just got to do what he's capable of doing. And, you know, he can pretty much punches it, punch in his first day ticket in the NFL. All things going well. I we want to see that for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, I would really hope that you guys click on all cylinders, give a, give a little scare, uh, to those that are possible national championship contenders, including your guys' rival, won't mention any names, but the guys on that side, uh, you know, because that, that one is one of my favorite favorite game well, that's a rivalry the game the for emotion real. and passion absolutely I, rivalry. I see, rivalry. The households, I see
3: households and I don't know how they do it you have one kid that, that went to Carolina you have the other kid going to the other program like how do oh, you yeah. keep the peace the colors don't even the covers the colors don't even blend like that it's just
1: like well well real quick without talking about the other school I'm going to say one statement we're going to move on <laughs> I'm not going to mention names losing the defensive coordinator. To become a head coach at another program, don't, don't, don't. Nobody of my listeners better tell me that's not going to affect the program. I'm sorry, because that coach won't mention any names. Which was did, one no. of the glue guys yes. when it comes to the championship defenses that they had. Yes. Now, offensively, yes, I'm a respect it. Yes, but defensively, there's an anchor. That might be missing. You're right. We moving on with that. Yes. All right, man. Hey, listen, bro. I'm gonna have to. I have to tell you one time. I know I texted you right when it went down, but I have to congratulate the 2022 NCAA Women's Champions, man. The South Carolina Gamecocks Women's Basketball, absolutely great performance. Not only all year, but also in the NCAA Tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to kind of get a, a, a touch base with you. You know, we we we're starting to see. Well. We've already seen it, but we start seeing the, the, the real greatness of Don Staley, um, you know, absolutely great head coach. Yep. You know, I want to I want to have you kind of tap into the last eight, nine years of how the, the program was in the very beginning, how it's been solidified and not only the national championships, but also everything that's being said in the city of Columbia, man, because this this is a true historic moment. Because now it's literally putting her in the category of a multiple championship head coach. I just want to know a little bit more of everything that she's done to build this culture, man. Well, first and foremost, um, shout out um, to the first USC.
3: <laughs> I know there's the USC Trojans. No offense to anyone who went to, to USC Trojans, but you know you know which one came first. With that being said, it's a testament to... USC, it's a testament to the athletic department, Ray Tanner, everyone else involved to even reach out to Dawn Staley, being that she's already an Olympic champion. Um, she brings, she brings a pedigree of not just being a champion, but being, bringing a winner's mentality everywhere she goes. Mm -hmm. So having somebody of that caliber to even say, you know what, I'm taking an interview with USC. They haven't won anything. But I know that I'm a winner, and I can bring that to this organization. So we we gave her time because it wasn't gonna happen overnight. And then I think when, when the flip got switched, and then you got Columbia people way invested, and everyone really um, noticing the program was going in the right direction is when Asia Wilson, who who went to school went to high school in Columbia as well, um, family's mm-hmm. born and raised here. I know her her big brother who's a DJ. Shout out to him. He knows who he is um she decides to stay home and go to usc and then it's like we can get the big names now and then after that building a team around asia wilson and there were other amazing standouts um on that team as well they win that first championship now people are like yes you can win a championship in usc you can win in south carolina not north carolina of course you know unc basketball especially in the men's program world-renowned. You, you can list names that are in the NBA now, or coaching or doing whatever they want in sports. That's that's a given.
1: Sure, sure. But
3: to bring a championship pedigree to the women's basketball team that had never been done before, and now it's just a standard of, of excellence. You see Asia, I mean, you see um, Asia Wilson is the face of the WNBA now. You see um, Aliyah Boston um, winning outstanding player when they, when they won the championship. And even the shortened um COVID season, um, I think the team was undefeated. You know what I'm saying? And there was an orig- there was an original yes. statistic. Um the Kansas Jayhawks won on the men's side and um the Gamecocks, um the lady Gamecocks won on the women's side. They were both the number one ranked teams before they shut stuff down. Um, the shortened basketball season um due to COVID. So it's just like wow. Like right. excellence it's going to speak for itself. And, and like in basketball saying it says the ball don't lie. You know what I'm saying? The ball don't lie. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing yeah. things. Um, you see a lot of, um, you see a lot of great, um, players, um, that Don has coach go on to the WNBA. And the amazing thing is these players come back, they come back to Columbia They come back and support the women's program. Um, Funny story a few weeks ago. I was actually in downtown Columbia and I saw Asia Wilson But I know that this was her off time and whatnot So hopefully I finally get to take a picture with her even though I'll be probably like in her pocket because she's taller than me But still got to do it for the culture. So hopefully get a picture with her and be able to thank her for what she's done for the city of Columbia for the state of South Carolina for the university and for anybody that believes in their dreams especially young women because she said, hey, I can do I can follow my dreams, be at home, um, be in a college that's in my hometown. And then the sky's the limit. You know, having the, the contract with Nike, um, being able to, to win a WNBA championship and be the face of the WNBA. If you told anybody, hey, you're in Columbia, South Carolina, you're going to stay here most of your young adult life and then you're going to take off. Most people wouldn't believe you. But with Asia doing it, that's given yeah. the whole city hope. And you can't take that for granted.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Completely agree with you, um,
0: 100%.
1: You know, I, I, we were talking about this a few days ago. Uh, when we talk about certain times, you know, we talk about women's basketball. We talk about a lot of the great uh, head coaches, um, the Gino Arroyamas of the world, Pat Summerall, yes. you know, rest in peace. And and, 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 and those that um, just continue to, to landscape and, and, you know, be a uh, – uh, an asset to women's sports in general, not just basketball. They, they usually take, you know, their teams usually take on their characteristics and the personalities of, of what the coach, um, you know, portrays. And I think this is perfect because there's a lot of times that before um, Don Staley became a a head coach, she was always featured on um, certain outlets, um, Mm -hmm. basketball outlets that she would be uh, somebody that would be an analyst, um, somebody that would break down film, somebody that would just be able to, you know, uh, explain certain things and plays and situations um, that they that she would pretty much, uh, you know, do instead of this. And I think that when we look at this past team, you know, Aaliyah Boston, you mentioned most outstanding any player, you know, uh, uh, Destiny Henderson, you know, so many players that really took on that that personality of, of courage, mm-hmm. strength and toughness. And I think that is important because we talk about it from a physical standpoint. Usually, we always talk about men's basketball where they talk about uh, physical toughness, right? These teams are physically tough. Um, we usually, you know, portray that to Villanova. Villanova basketball. Shout out, Jay Wright. If you do stay retired, enjoy your retirement. If not, there's about 20 NBA teams that are probably calling your phone right now. But anyway, we won't go there. But um, that's that toughness part, right? Philadelphia strong, right? Yeah. So – I think this is really a, a, a special time for the lady Gamecocks because everything that Don Staley represents, including you mentioned gold medal champ uh, a champion um, at the Olympics, it's the toughness. it's it's the grit, it's the desire to be a champion. you know we we always talk about well what's it what's it what does it mean to be a champion? How do you become a ta- champion? Well, the record, the titles, all these things are measured in metrics, right? But it doesn't mean about the heart. If if the coach can't explain what it means to you and you question how I can become a champion, you might not be at that program. You might not be at that right program or that coach might not be the right fit. So shout out to you. Shout out to the entire Lady Gamecocks and the Gamecocks Nation. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Not gonna predict anything, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna go ahead and put them in the final four next year. I, I'm just saying, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about championships until I see the brackets. But I'm I'm gonna go ahead, man. I'm you know I'm that confident. Man, but say, uh, that's that's yeah. pretty
3: that's pretty safe because um you're right. The, that's why I said
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I didn't want to say champion. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, let yeah. me put them on that but, final. But the four, way man.
3: the way the players have taken on um, Don Staley's um, characteristics and her persona it's amazing because you see consistently for the past few years, the top players in the WNBA are coming from the University of South Carolina. So Don Staley is not sure. just building a powerhouse on a college level. This is talent that's going on to, to the highest right. level um, for, for women's competitive sports. So, you know, sure. it's, it's a culture, it's, it's economics, it's, it's numbers, and you see a lot of these players repping USC um, even in their pro career, um, even when they're not in South Carolina or Columbia. So any, you know, me just recently stepping into PR, any PR is good PR. At least people are, are, are talking about you or seeing the brand. Um, and, and unofficially, when, when when people are recruiting, even in other sports, Don Staley will pop up sometimes, and that's important. She's, that's she's right. got championship rings. We're trying to have that culture for the whole collegiate athletics oh, here yeah. at USC because when your sports oh, no team doubt. does well that means more money coming into the college and more people want to yeah. come there and if you have award winning programs like the University of South Carolina has in in business one of the best business schools in the nation having having great athletics just helps having testimonies help having people um, remember where they were at and what they were doing in certain historical football games and you know shout out to the football players that i actually am cool with shout out to people like troy williamson you know he um Mm -hmm. he was he was drafted in the top 10 when he came out um shout out to my guy savelle newton shout out um to all the um usc football players that i know some well-known and some lesser known you know i'm saying and and thankfully you know for all the south carolina we have the south carolina hall of fame and shout out to um to david wyatt as well the guy that i know um so i had to give him an unofficial shout out um but there's a lot of good things sure. going on in south carolina all across the board and it just starts with belief in self and, and building upon that
0: absolutely
1: man mad respect i like the i like the way you segmented on that man because uh that's what i kind of want to talk about right now man just a little bit of the discussion for a lot of the um gamecocks legends uh when it comes to the football man you know um there's a lot and again I'm if we if we if we could talk about everybody we sit here for hours and hours man but no I, I definitely am gonna I'm gonna get to a few um uh, because I think it's kind of necessary in this in this NFL that we see as for the last few years the lot of these players that I'm about to mention what they represented not only to your alma mater but also Um, what it meant for the football program is huge, man. I'm going to start off with uh, Mr. Alshon Jeffrey.
3: Yep. (laughs) Funny, I saw him around my birthday a few months ago, Um, but yeah, um, being able to not go to Tennessee, and the coach at the time was telling him that he would never have an NFL career to him being on the Philadelphia Eagles, um, winning the Super Bowl, um, you know what I'm saying? It was just kind of surreal me being um, a music and hip-hop head. Right. Um, you know, them coming out to McMill's Dreams and Nightmares. I was just like, right. that's surreal. Like, this is an NFL right. game and it's just like, hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? Yeah. It's just like, Ooh, Eagles better you win. You better not have yeah, that, hype, that hype pre-game music and lose. What are you doing? What are you doing?
1: It's it's one of those things, man. I mean, I saw. I mean, of course, we saw it. A lot of us saw it in college, in Chicago. I won't really talk about the experience, but there was still dominant numbers. You're talking about still dominant numbers for considering, no disrespect to the Chicago Bears fans, but considering there's no quarterback who's throwing to him. So, you know, I I, I agree 100. I think that, I think that's a good word to use when I when I when I think about him is is overcoming adversity you know compound word compound meaning but i think that that that's important because that's that mentality that you have to have you got to have that and especially if you're a wide receiver so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i'm a transition man and i think this is uh this is one of those anybody that is a football fan in general holds a heavy heart especially with the experience and what what occurred but uh marcus Lattimore. Oh, Marcus Lattimore, you, you want
3: a Marcus Lattimore, no matter what, what type of program you have, um, hard worker, very humble, correct. Um, a a guy that can talk to anybody and doesn't feel that he's better than anybody just because, um, he's a football player. Um, somebody who, um, who was selfless when he could really have been selfish and even though he made it to the league and he couldn't do much um, to due to his knee injury that's just one of the unspoken right. that's, legends that's that when he was at USC you just knew
1: oh absolutely
3: he was he was he was automatic and you know he he, he was a consummate winner like he acted like he was there before when he when he scored a touchdown he'd be he'd celebrate with his with his teammates be real calm hand the ball to the to the ref back to the sidelines, you know. People people get in the end zone and then do elaborate dance sequences. He was just a really a workmanlike guy, but his spirit and his his aura and what he brings is just it's beyond words. But Marcus Lattimore stand up game.
1: Absolutely. Stand 100%. 100% agree with that. And that's that's again that's again I I think success in life will always be determined on what we do with adversity. But I think that in his case, I do truly like to describe him as fearless. Yep. I mean, a fearless winner, mm-hmm. a fearless winner, no matter what. Yep. Uh, what what you think about Stefan Gilmore, man?
3: I was so happy when he was with the Panthers. Cause it was like closer to a Carolina connection. Um, but Gilmore yeah. is one of those guys immensely talented from the Rock Hill, South Carolina area. Immensely talented. Um, He's already won a championship and whatnot. And, you know, adding to the USC name, the pedigree is is there. An outstanding um, cornerback, um, able to to be a student of the game. And he's just one of those guys where he just wants to get the job done. So, you know, his side of the field is pretty much going to be shut down whether whether he's defending your best your best man wide receiver or just somebody it's not really about the stats it's just knowing that if you're throwing his way your chances of getting a completion is low and you know he's a defensive leader yeah,
1: absolutely right. so it is what it is look man look man i'm gonna i'm gonna say a statement okay and i'm not comparing him to this player but i do want to compare i do want to compare the mentality that this guy used to have there's a guy you know mr Darrell Rivas, and that Rivas Island mentality uh, is what I've seen from Stefan Gilmore, hundred percent because at, from a from a young age, and from what I saw when he first got into the league, he had that mentality. Mm-hmm. He had that mentality. i'm gonna I'm gonna lock down my wide receiver mm-hmm. and I dare the quarterback to throw in my direction. That's it. So that's why that's that's why every time I think of him, and every time, of course, you know, as the years go on, but like you said he still has i mean again it might be where there's certain physical limitations that he might not necessarily have as he grows older right but the knowledge but and also that confidence yeah. that i mean it's hard to beat and, and 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 look at Richard Sherman no disrespect but Richard Sherman still in the league and and, and kicking because he has that mentality yeah. i mean Stanford really developed that mind <laughs> so yeah. Uh man, I gotta transition, man, but um this guy is is a is a genuine, genuine monster, Mr. Melvin Ingram. Yes, er,
3: yes, 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 yes. Hey. SEC is known for defense. That's right. in the SEC. Right. Defense. Right. Come on, like Melvin was doing amazing things when he was here. I'm glad that, you know, he got to the NFL, got paid. And I mean We've had we've had some pretty amazing linebackers come through to the program. So just having, yeah. you know, Melvin do it on his own terms, kind of be a hybrid position between defensive end, linebacker. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's versatility. It's it's not saying hey, I'm just one position. It's a matter of you know, just being versatile and say hey, put me where I can help the team win, whether it's college or pros. And and Melvin is a consummate professional. That's why he, he has the career he has.
1: I think, I think one of the main things that we see in the NFL, not only well football in general, NFL and college, is that word hybrid, right? That hybrid, that linebacker, defensive end, you know, and, and can go back and forth or, you know, one of those defensive ends that can cover. I, I, I just – I genuinely think since he got to the NFL, it's, it's like every single practice, every single rep he gets better. And it's so it's so rare to see that with a player, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why free agency market, teams that need a guy like that, because he's a staple guy on defense. Yeah. Because he can be he's reliable. I mean, you're you're gonna find he might, you know, he might make a mistake, comes back and he and he makes up for it. You know, so I think just that 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 physicality that he plays with is is um, is just a coordinated reckless uh just passion that comes with where he you know everything that was developed in 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 South Carolina Yep. um I, I like I like saying that because I'm gonna get to the next guy and I think everything about this guy you know as far as the potential as far as where he got drafted and everything but um I still believe that championship caliber uh, a, a pedigree and a, a and and in my opinion, a motor. When the key, when the when the key is turned, mm. that motor is gonna keep going. But it's just a matter of how much he's gonna turn that key. But Jadavion Clowney. <sighs> okay, so funny as as mentioned before. Yes. So
3: funny story. So I was on USC's campus while he was still playing football at USC, and I just see this mm-hmm. tall tall guy. And I'm just like, yeah. man, he's probably at 0% body fat. And then I leave the area and then I, I realize that was Davion Clowney. And I think this was before right. the hit because everybody knows about the
1: hit. Oh, everybody like, knows the, the hit. <laughs> was I was about to say. That was- the ball
3: got fumbled. You tackle somebody, they lose their helmet and they fumble and you recover the fumble. Like, what type of su- superhero are you, sir? Like,
1: that's exactly what right. was, just was, like, was a see, Superhero it. moment. You couldn't top that. Superhero moment.
3: I think after that, that moment, you just put him on ice. He just comes to class. And then, you know, after three years of being the <laughs> thing, it's just like, okay, you can go to the yeah. league now. Because it was like everybody had to double and triple team him now. Because they're like, you're not hitting our quarterback and running back like you hit this guy. You know what I'm saying? And it's just right. like,
1: yeah.
3: I think they still sell posters of the hit.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was about to say, I mean, I, I see it all the time as a lot of people's default on Twitter. Like that's their that's their default profile picture, man. I've seen it a lot. But yeah, just to summarize, you know, Debo Samuel, one of those players, rare finds, um, absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Everything that I saw from last year. And in my opinion, pay the man. <laughs> Thanks. Pay the man. Yes, that's it. That's it. What you fa man hey go to guy that go to guy, the one and only, hey man, I appreciate you being on the show, hey, let my listeners know everything, all the platforms that you're on, how they can find you as far as business management, music management, yeah. the one and only we always say this all the time, sports and music are synonymous, right we all we know that hundred mm-hmm. percent so let 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 everybody know the artists that you manage, everything that you got going on with your you know PR work, because I know there's somebody that's listening right now, that definitely needs some help with their portfolio and how to be put on.
3: Okay, well it's it's interesting the positions that I kind of do. Um, started off as a music manager, um, recently got into public relations, and not just in music or entertainment. Um, one of my clients, actually it's a family. Um, the the daughter actually has a law named after her for the state that she's in, and just helping that family navigate and be able to take their brand to the next level. So that's just me stepping outside of the box. Um, definitely wanna work with a tech company because we know app creation is the wave, but you wanna be able to build platforms that take people to the next level. Um, when it comes to a new space that I'm recently in, artists and repertoire, I've been in that space already because being a music manager, sometimes you see the talent in somebody and you have to build the business around them, build the team around them, get them to have momentum and and so forth. So my social media, thankfully, is just branding and and soon come will be start off as a one page website and then I'll probably build the website out to be something bigger and better. I'm not a website builder, but I I know some great ones, so I'm going to lean in on them. Um, uh-huh, but you can find me on most social media, um, my Twitter and my Twitter, my Instagram and my clubhouse at that go to guy, T-H-A-T-G-O-T-O-G-U-Y. Um, uh-huh, I do have a TikTok. I am that go to guy. I Spelling's Spelling is not my strong suit. But you know that's me on thought. <laughs> I'm not gonna be doing no dances. I'm 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 that bridge nah, generation. Yeah. I ain't gonna you be doing any dances or whatnot. But I will be posting music artists that I work with. Um, um, shout out to Ollie the God. He's in Australia. Um, shout out to my guy, little Julio the Don. Um, he's doing his thing. Um, there is a young lady. She is in Toronto, Canada, doing amazing things um she's actually got her on her remix wave so she can remix any record um she can do hip-hop <clears throat> she can do pop she can do R and and she can do reggae tracks so that's that's interesting right there um shout out okay. to the guy bowtie he's amazing i call him the pharrell of south carolina and um, there's some other talent that i work with too shout out to rayla june um she's gonna have some amazing things coming out in the near future um, and shout out to my little bro, um, Justice Plant. Um, if Don Tolliver and Travis Scott were one person, that would be him. AdLib's Crazy Million Dollar Instrumentals over, no, Million Dollar, let me get it right, Million Dollar Melodies over Trap Instrumentals. That's that's Justice Plant. So, you know, like even though even though right now it's just a situation where I want to be in a position to really put on the talent in the Carolinas, especially South Carolina on, on a bigger platform, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of let me define my brand beyond music and entertainment. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited about this episode of, of um, Sports Crashers with you, E, because I don't that- think a lot of people know that I'm in my sports bag real heavy. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's all about cross-promotion you you gotta you gotta understand your oh, brand okay. beyond just what you're into okay. you know what I'm saying because uh low-key and I hope this can be a, a prelude to great themes um justice Plant has a song called no cocky and it could be the anthem for the gamecocks football team so I'm getting I'll let y'all know okay. first before the song yeah came man. Out, it's about to be man, some heat. I'm telling you it's about to be some heat
1: okay all right yes all right we appreciate that man. Like I said, bro, really appreciate you coming on my show, man. You know, like one thing that, you know, a lot of our listeners that are you man, know, pretty much fairly eat. new to this Just show. like you support me, yeah, man. man. Come on. Always. All day. Way back. All day, bro. All day. I get my You're money. I'm coming to Dallas, man. The Bay Area. i coming to Dallas. All the way to Columbia. Come out to Dallas anytime you want, man. You know yes. what it is. Well, I appreciate you, man. You take care, bro. You Thanks for know. having being on the show.
0: Appreciate already. it. Already. Welcome back to episode three of the Sporting Crashers podcast.
1: I'm excited to announce we finally have her on the show. Very excited to have DFW's very own Michaela of the Texas Rangers Six Shooter. How are you doing? Good. And yes, it's
4: finally, I think we've scheduled we this one a couple of times. So finally on. I appreciate on. you being
1: on. Absolutely. I know how busy you Thanks are. It's in me. season and everything. So glad I could get you on the show.
4: yes yes well thank you for Absolutely. having me I'm so definitely
1: you are our crasher our first crasher of the of the uh episode so um before we get into anything when it comes to texas rangers your involvement in any of that uh tell me a little bit about you told me you know when i first introduced myself and i wanted you to get on the show you were like hey look i can never root for any other team right so first thing you told me was like okay i am through and through an aggie texas a m so Give me a little bit about the experience of that, not just the college life that you were involved in, but you know, just being involved in, in everything. Cause I know sports wise and, sport and especially academics, that's one of the top schools in our country for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, I loved Texas a and being an Aggie. So I actually originally was not like big into mm-hmm. Texas A&M or being an Aggie or anything like going through um, high school tech was definitely my number one choice. I was really interested in LSU. Um, And I really didn't know that much about A&M besides like all the jokes everyone makes about it, like being a cult, you know, stuff like that. But one of my best (laughs) friends in high school, yeah, drink the maroon lemonade. But um, one of my best friends in high school, she is a, she was a third or fourth generation Aggie. And so Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like her house was maroon, like that was her family thing. And she went to college while I was still in high school. And I went to go visit her one weekend, like just go see her. And I fell in love with it. Just if have you ever been to College Station?
1: No, I drove through it. I haven't I haven't stopped and enjoyed it yet.
4: It's just such like a college town. The spirit, they'll say the spirit of Aggieland is like everywhere. It's just, it's its own little place. And like when you're there, you'll either know like you're gonna be so into it and like super hype and pumped or it's just not your place. So when I was there, I immediately knew like I'm going to school here. Um, Like this is for me. It was just so awesome. So I did not want to leave. And then after that, I think it was like The end of my junior year, like it was almost a cutoff point where people were applying to colleges and like last minute I like sent in my application on the last day and was like set that I was going to go to A&M. So once I was there, still loved it. Um, Obviously sports are like amazing at A&M. If you've never been, you need to go to a football game at Kyle Field.
0: It -hmm. is just...
4: It's a whole other. It's a whole other experience. Like it's hard to explain if you've never been there. But just the atmosphere. Everyone is so friendly. Everyone is just so pumped. So no matter like who you're playing, um, just the way the student body is. You know they stand the entire football game to watch. You're not allowed to sit if you're a current student. And just you know that interaction and like that love for mm-hmm. the team that you have is just unmatched. I feel like there's not a lot of other. Not too many other teams, especially in college, that are like that. So, yeah.
1: okay, okay, that's what's up. I like that. Yeah. That uh, that represents. Yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of uh, Texas A&M. I mean, even before they were in the SEC, not to outdate myself and give my age, but they were in the they were in the Big Twelve, and you know a lot of a lot of their rivalries with um the old the old days when they played Texas pretty much every mm-hmm. single year. So, you know, I was in California, living in the Bay Area, so. Um, living in the Bay area, you know, we had, we had our, I'm a huge Cal, Cal Berkeley go bears, um, fan. So, um, you know, we had our Stanfords, but you know, you, you just pretty much had all the rivalries that you saw every single Saturday, Alabama Mm -hmm. LSU. So like Texas A and M is one of those, not just programs that's been built for so many years, but just the whole respect and rivalries that they've created. So. It's pretty good. And even
4: on an academic level, like I have my Aggie I was ring. Say. Such a big thing. And even I have so many friends that went to other colleges they're like, "You still wear your college ring?" And I'm like, "Always." Like it's it's definitely a thing I look for it when I'm out. Like if I'm at an airport, I feel like I always run into other Aggies and check for the ring mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's definitely a, like a lot bigger than just going to school there for four years and that's what i really like i'm yeah my dad was in the army and so i feel like that's a very Mm -hmm. just like a military thing as well you know they have the corps of cadets so Mm
1: -hmm. i
4: really like that about a&m
1: well we definitely want to thank your father for his service for sure i mean my brother-in-law is is active uh and um you know i tell him every single day that's definitely something that we're very proud of so um yeah transitioning so you told me right away that dance has always been something that you've been into right so it's been important for you from the get-go so um just let our listeners know a little bit of backstory of just not only the dancing experience that you've had in your career but also the opportunities that you've pretty much taken advantage of
4: yeah so i've been dancing since i can remember i don't know exactly when i started but no it's definitely Mm -hmm. like a toddler like before i was in elementary school I started dance. I tried a few things for like a season, like basketball, soccer, and I just never, was never my thing. Um, dance was just always it for me. So I, like I said, dance in a studio um, growing up, you know, going through elementary school. Once I probably got to, I want to say around middle school is when I got really serious about it and I wanted to start competing competitively. So like at the studio I went to, um, and they're not even around anymore, but you can try out you audition to, to be on their competitive team and go to competition. So I auditioned, I made competitive team and I was basically, you know, doing competitions. I was in the dance studio, like four days a week, Monday through Thursday. That was just where I lived and doing that all through, um, probably like fourth grade through eighth grade. And so I always knew I wanted to, like, once I got to high school is when I really started to get, I was serious about it, but I started to really get serious, like, you know, like going to the gym, doing workouts to help dance, like trying to, you know, eat a specific way. Um, I also tried out for my high school dance team. So I'm from Mansfield, Texas, so not too far Mm -hmm. away from, you know, Rangers stuff, but, um, I knew I wanted to dance there. So I danced on varsity for four years. Um, and, you know, we kind of did, you know, the usual football stuff, but then also competitive there. And, um, was an officer, so I was a first lieutenant my junior year and then captain my senior year. And once doing that and being an officer is when I really started to get into like choreographing and things like that. So once I graduated high school, I kind of wanted to focus more on being a coach and doing choreography. So I started working like summer camps and working with middle school and high school teams there. Um, i really got in a bind of like what I, if I wanted to do dance full time as my career or do other things. And I ultimately just decided just, you know, for life and being an adult, paying bills to um, study no, other yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to yeah. study other things in college, yeah. I'm sure you know, it gets hard, but I would have yeah. loved to dance and coach full time, but they don't get paid a lot, sadly.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the the crazy part is like you're telling me and it's kind of like wh- where you're at right now, it just sounds like everything kind of aligned, right? just yeah, now living, living a part of your dream and, you know, just being a part of not only an organization like the Texas Rangers baseball um, here, not only in the DFW, but also in the state of Texas. And then of course being a, a Rangers six shooter. So t- tell a little bit of our listeners. Cause I know a few of them were asking me, well, like, what is that? Like, you know, what, 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 what is it that they do? Um, you know, your involvement in the community and then also uh, just, you know day in the life of and then the process of the ad- audition i'm always interested in knowing you know how's that work
4: so the the texas rangers six years in general have been around since i think like the 70s like just the concept mm-hmm. of it um but this year's has definitely been rebranded we do a lot of things i think the best term would be like a spirit squad um but what right. a, what we do during game days so we do dance um like if you from start to finish a game you know we're um They're welcoming fans in, saying hi to the ballpark, taking photos. Um, We also help with all the in-game experiences. So, you know, when you're there and you see, you know, like people on camera or like the little kids doing the a Base, we're helping with those. So we are like looking to find contestants. We're talking to them, making sure they're at the right spot. They know when the camera crews are. We're doing that production stuff as well. So it's kind of before game to get ready for that. Um, And then we do our six-shooter intros. So that is when we dance on the field before the game starts. So we do that entertainment and then basically the game we do different stuff every game kind of depends on the day of the week and what's going on and who's there. But we will do some um, dances on the dugouts either like mid-fourth mid-seventh inning. We'll throw t-shirts just taking photos like I said doing those in-game experiences and that's what a game day is like. So in general it's just kind of like ballpark entertainment. Um they aren't just to entertain the fans, but it's a wide variety of stuff that we're doing, which is really fun. We we really we never know what we're doing until we get there that day. Um, we get a schedule and we're like, okay, like what are what are you assigned to? What are you doing? Which is always really fun. So
1: okay. Yeah. That sounds pretty. that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. that's um that's definitely something that I'm I'm always like when I see different uh you know, organizations, different sports. I always see like uh on our previous episode, we had Alicia Saiti from the mm-hmm. Dallas Stars Ice Girls. So, you know, she was telling me a little bit about you know her auditions and kind of everything. And then she was telling me like how she was an actual figure skater. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, combining the concepts of that, I'm always interested, especially when you think of baseball. You would think of okay, well, you know, you have in like you said, Spirit Squad and things like that, but so much more than just the cheering process you know what i mean cheering on yeah. the team so uh, i and gotta ask been... you so
4: oh I was gonna no, say, well, ahead, we have a mix of girls on our team so we have dancers some girls who have like historically been cheerleaders um you know different most girls have one of those backgrounds just because at auditions we do dance so like this auditions were two days so we did have two dance routines that we had to learn that had like some technique in them so you know like, if you're watching this you want to try it out definitely take some dance classes and know some quality yeah. moves um, but we also That's you know nice. because we do fan interactions like we had interviews that was part of the process um, mm-hmm. we also like learned about what the um, game experiences are and just promotion stuff as well so it's kind of a mix um, you definitely have to like I said have some a little bit of dance or cheer backgrounds be very bubbly good personality like quick right. answering just because you know yeah. I think it can happen with fans. But um, yeah, that's basically what our audition process is like.
1: Okay. So I, I had I had a important question because as soon as you're telling me, I was like, okay, wait a minute. So you kind of told me right off the top, you're like, all right, I've, you know, pretty much born and raised in DFW, mm-hmm. grew up as a Texas Ranger fan. So your whole family's uh, Texas Ranger fans?
4: Mm -hmm, Yeah, my brother did grow up playing baseball, so he's had a few, like, you know, just growing up, he'll have some favorite players, so he'll kind of, like... You know, he has, he has like other team shirts and other stuff and we've visited other ballparks, but definitely just Rangers the most because we're from here. Um, Like I've actually Mm -hmm. like gone to spring training. There was one year, I want to say like my freshman or sophomore year for spring break. Mm -hmm. My brother really wanted to go to Arizona for Ranger spring training. So like that was our spring break family vacation (laughs) was going to spring training. So yeah, definitely all like Rangers fans, yeah, Cowboys fans, just hometown, hometown teams for sure.
1: Who's your uh, all-time favorite Texas Ranger, in, in that that you've ever seen that you like the most? I'd
4: probably say I know who a lot, but like Nolan Ryan, just because. Okay. You know, they don't. They don't. They yeah. don't have players like him anymore. Um, no,
1: no, I agree. I agree. So
4: it's definitely just.
1: Yeah. A classic. You, you know, it's funny. I, I moved out um, to Dallas about six years ago, right? So I'm I'm uh, from the Bay Area, so my team is SF Giants, San Francisco, um, and. It's funny because I've had a lot of friends that, you know, are from Dallas that I just got gotten to know over the years. And they always ask me, like, so who's your favorite Texas Ranger fan, you know, Ranger player? And I'm always like, well, the only reason is, is because I remember this guy playing in Candlestick Park and it was Will Clark. So when he came to the Rangers, I always remember I'm like, okay, I know that might be a little bit before your time or whatever. But, you know, it was one of those things that. It's like once I moved out here and then I got a chance to go the last few years or the last year um, At the uh, the old ballpark right across the street from glow life Mm -hmm. Um, And that was an experience even though I experienced a summer summer game And I was like what is going on with this?
4: (laughs) a lot of people have different opinions about the new stadium, but like one thing everyone can agree on is that the roof having the ac and stuff in yes. the summer so nice so nice i cannot imagine like dancing and being there all game days at the old oh city.
1: i bet i bet i know that was something um real quick i want to transition back to the audition process um this is always important to me and i always ask these questions because i always feel like these are moments in life that we take with us and we can kind of you know transition them to others and the youth and everything, but what's the most important advice you, you got, uh, in terms of the audition, you know, that you can maybe say that you either applied it or, you know, gave it on to somebody else.
4: I would say, um, and just, you know, as someone who I've, been doing auditions since I was like 10 years old I would say just to like one have fun um you can Mm -hmm. like the job is fun anytime you're doing any like dance entertainment things like you're there to have fun and people see that you know fans people see that so have fun and I guess just like it sounds really cliche but like just give it like your all all your energy just out there um you know a lot of people think that like you need to be perfect and do everything like Especially in dance because it's choreographed, but that's not true I mean even a lot of times when we're performing, you know things are so quick like we usually sometimes we'll get there and like We don't even know what song we're dancing to until like Mm -hmm. that day Um, So everything's really quick and most of the time like if you mess up people don't notice as long as you're like Having fun and smiling and like really energetic Um, So that's really all I could say is just like don't hold back. Just Give it your hundred percent. I know a lot of people get really intimidated. It's intimidating to be like a room full of girls And, you know, judges, just they're staring at you. But once you're just having fun and your personality and stuff comes through, then that's what they that's what they really care about. I feel like is, you know, they want fun, energetic, like confident people on their team.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that's important when it comes to building the confidence and keeping the confidence. That's that's definitely something that you can uh, roll with. For sure. Yeah. Um. So I know how close a community is when it comes to anything with the arts, performing arts and dance. So um, it's a, a chance for you to give any type of plug or shout outs to any type of dance studios that you have or you work with in the DFW?
4: Yeah. So as a team for like the Rangers Six Shooters, we don't have a specific team, which is, I mean, a specific studio, which is cool because mm-hmm. we have all of our girls bringing in their different stuff. I do not right. work for a specific studio. I just do freelance stuff when I coach. But um, a one that I've done recently, one of our girls named Amber, she is going, um, has been going there. And then they just had their spring recital last night, which we went to go watch. But it was Live Arts oh, nice. Conservatory in Dallas. Okay. I've done a few drop-in classes and it's really awesome. That's one thing I do really like about like dance in Dallas in general is you can always like drop in. So like, you know, you can go see classes and drop in and try different things out. Um, A lot of times as an adult, that's what you kind of have to do. Um, Yeah. There's always prep classes. I know people will do that like all the time, different uh, dance teams or uh, dance girls. Like a lot of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders will just do master classes and you know, they'll just kind of post on their social media that it's like that day. You know, it's a one time thing and you can come by. Mm-hmm. So, definitely, that's kind of my thing. What I do, um, especially even with, you know, COVID happening, I feel like a lot of sure, dancers yes. get to get used to learning things online. So, there's so many like virtual classes, virtual things, classes on YouTube live. Um, and that's kind of what I do, which is really fun. Um, dance styles change from like region to region and like different places in the US. So, I'm kind of like anytime I see something that pops up and my schedule is free, then I try to do all those little like, you know, drop ins, clubs, master classes, those kinds of things. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So do you have any uh business endeavors? Like you wanna do any anything, you know, down the line with anything when it comes to either dance or you know having your own I don't business? Know.
4: so I that's a yeah I graduated college four that's years a real ago. answer
1: though that's a real answer I don't well, know yeah
4: <laughs> because so I graduated college four years ago so I'm just kind of getting to the point where I'm like set in my career career so in like my full so a lot of people don't know for all the Texas Rangers six shooters we have full-time jobs or are full-time students outside right. of also six shooters um for sure and so, you know, I'm just getting to the point where I'm, like, set in my professional career. I do a lot of times will do choreography or, like, coaching just kind of on the side when I have free time. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think dance is something that will always be a part of my life just, like, because that's, like my, like, my release, you know. That's just what I find fun. Um, but I don't, at this point, have any, like, set goals or set stuff of, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just kind of been going with it and seeing what happens even with the six shooters like i like i said i had been once i got into college i really was just focusing on being a coach and a choreographer and i really didn't think i was going to be performing again as a dancer and you know after covid just you know was such a thing that i was like you know what i think i'm just i saw auditions being posted on social media and i was like i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna go and see what happens so even that was so random for me i think i decided like two days before auditions so Um, It all kind of came together. And so that's kind of what I am right now with dance and the whole thing is just seeing what happens and what comes to me. But it'll always be a part of my life in like some shape or form.
1: Cool. Oh, that's great. I mean, you like I said, right now you're at the point in your life where you're fulfilling one of your dreams. And then you're also planning to see exactly what's next. So, you know, you're not alone. You're not alone. I mean, you know, COVID kind of put us all back on reset. You know, I've I've Mm -hmm. always kind of been in the sports entertainment industry um, from back in the day. And then um, I I kind of took a detour with, um, you know, uh, I I published and produced uh, magazines, fashion magazines. And I still I still want to do it. It was just like everything kind of had to be put on pause with COVID. So, you know, I started thinking about it and I started talking to a lot of people and they're like, you should, you know, you should launch a podcast. You should, you know, go from there. And I'm like, well, I like talking about sports, but I don't want to be that guy that just is sitting on here and giving you ESPN updates, you know, and everything like that. It's more of, I'd rather get to somebody like yourself that's involved every single day with a sports organization, but it's, you know, in-depth conversation. So I appreciate yeah. that. All right. So we got to the section here. Um, This is actually a staple of the show for most of our guests. We call it the Crashers Coffee Giveaway. So I'm going to ask you about 10 questions. um, And some of them are just opinion-based. I think actually a lot of our listeners will enjoy it because it kind of gives you expertise on the DFW area since you're from here. And anybody that's looking to travel here, um, definitely, you know, we can do that. If you do get the correct (laughs) answers, uh, it is coffee on the Crashers, $15.00. Gift card from you, um, our coffee sponsors. So okay. let's go ahead and start right away. So, the first question in the DFW if somebody wanted to actually get the best tacos, where would they go? It, and again, it could okay. be, it could be just. My
0: real which answer
4: one do you doesn't like. help anybody visiting, would be like my aunt and uncle's house. That's where, like, oh, wow. when I'm really wanting Homemade. tacos, I know, like, oh, yes, like, holidays are coming, then my uncle will probably cook some, and, like, that's my place to go. So, I don't know. Okay. I'm very, like, I don't I don't really go to a lot of, like, restaurants like that. Um, I will say in Mansfield, like, you know, the best are the mm-hmm. little hole-in-the-wall places. Uh, I do frequent right. Chipotle a lot, but, you know. Right. <laughs> there's a, there's a, sure. a place in Mansfield, Texas called Jalisco's, and they are very good Jalisco's. as well. Um, yeah, All right. Say those okay. Are my, most, my most visited places.
1: All right. Hey, listen, shout out Jalisco's. I definitely have to try it one day. So um, what current Rangers six shooter is an alum of Dallas Baptist University cheer?
4: That is Lindsay Nellis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very good, very yeah. good. Awesome. Now shout out the whole DBU baseball team. Uh, you know we, we got pretty close to them this year, so um, definitely shout out Blaine Jones, Cole Moore. Shout out the whole team, especially getting to the regional. So and Lindsay, yes, absolutely. That's um, yeah. Shout out to
4: Lindsay. She's one of my best friends. So hey, hey Lindsay, I know she'll be watching this.
1: <laughs> absolutely, glad I could get a plug for her. So that's a uh, great, great. All right, next one. Um, who is your favorite all-time country singer?
4: Country singer, all-time favorite. I don't, probably like old school Dolly Parton for sure. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, we'll just say Dolly Parton because I like her music, but she's also just a great, like representative of the community, does a lot for children and like her reading programs and stuff. So she's definitely, I don't, i have to say her.
1: Good answer. Good answer. Um, now, it, this this question doesn't have to be a nightclub. It could be something that's like sort of like one where it, there's a lounge or anything like that. There's plenty of them here in the Dallas area. Um, yeah. What's your favorite nightlife area to visit?
4: So I am definitely not like a club person, even really like a bar. Yeah. Like I'm like, I wanna sit there and like have a conversation with somebody. Um, sure. So I'm more of like a restaurant hangout kind of person, but I do really like um, the Henry they have a rooftop bar Mm -hmm. and they just have like good food too and um they're good for brunch but definitely enjoying like nights there they'll have like little lights it's kind of really close to the american Airlines center so the henry for sure um they also have it's kind of over here i work in plano so i'm kind of over on this side a lot of times this place called kai and it is a restaurant and they also do have a lounge there as well and that place is it's nice because I think it's nice. They have good food, good drinks, but, and a DJ. But it's like you can still hear the person that's sitting next to you. So that's okay. more my vibe. Yeah, I like that
1: vibe. I like that <laughs> vibe a lot better, too. That's that's good. I'm going to have check it out. I like um, in Plano, I, I think it's called Urban Crust. How they have that, uh, that, that, that yeah, restaurant. Yeah, I've seen
4: like, it, but I've never been there. So
1: It's pretty it cool. They got at the very top, it's the little. It's a bar, but it's like a really vibe. It's a really cool vibe. Yeah, there's All so right, many so, here in Dallas Fort Worth yeah you know yeah that's why I was saying I was like I mean whichever one and that's why I put the area because I was like it doesn't have to be a nightclub. that's why it's like nightlife area that's Mm -hmm. that's more of my vibe too so when I go to baseball games all batters have a walk-up song and that's really Mm -hmm. really entertaining for me right so what's your walk-up song what's what's your go-to song if it was one song to describe you Probably just
4: cause not only just does I feel like it's just fun, but also gets me hype, but it's an old school song. Um, Carl Carlton, uh, bad mama jamma. That is like, Oh wow. That is my, like that's one of my hype songs. Like when I'm getting ready or driving to games and like, I need to jam out. That's my song. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. I like Throwback. it. I like it. Right? Yeah. 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 I like that. Um, so yeah, one thing that's popular out here that I know like when I first moved out here is, is brunch, right? Everyone's always mm-hmm. talking about brunch. What's your favorite brunch spot?
4: Like I said earlier, but the Henry for sure. And then, Oh, okay.
1: I haven't had him for Henry, the brunch.
4: Yeah, brunch is good. Very good. And then there's one... Oh, I'm trying to think of the name. Um, this is going to drive me crazy. But it's in Plano. It's like a little French uh, bistro. It's kind oh, of in... What is that district called? There's so many places. Have you been to the district <laughs> in Plano? They have like a little waterfall and they have, it's like Union Bears right there.
1: Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been. You know,
4: this is going to drive me crazy. Um, yes. But there is a little French bistro and like it literally mm-hmm. looks so pretty. The architecture of it, everything um, is very like European and it's just really fun. Fun girls' place. Mm-hmm. It's going to drive me crazy that I can't think of the name. But if anyone listening, if you Google like French bistro, Plano, Texas, mm-hmm. It'll come up. Oh, Edis. That's what it's called. Edis. Edis. Okay. So, um, very fun. Definitely for the girls. Just like a fun, feel like you're on a vacation when you're still in Texas. So I like that
1: place. Okay. Uh, we're gonna check that out. We're gonna put that on that list whenever I'm in Plano. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so um, this question, just listen carefully. How many wins or how many times in the 20th century did the Rangers actually win 100 games? Is it A three times, B two times, C zero times, or D one time?
4: Like, is it how many? You said how many seasons?
1: How many times have they won a hundred games in a season in the zero? last twentieth century? Exactly zero? zero. Okay, yeah. it was kind of a trick question. I was like, okay, like that's why I, I was putting it. Up, I, but was then like, I was
4: like, <laughs> I don't know if you're yeah, trying to trick yeah. the a trick question.
1: No, I was just, that's why I was trying to tell you, I was like, wait a minute. If you really think about it, there's not, there are teams that have won 100, but I don't remember Texas Rangers really winning 100, but we'll see. Not uh, us. All right. Maybe, maybe soon. I mean, they're on a hot streak, so we'll see. Um, All right, let's see. uh, What former Texas Ranger signed a 10-year, $252 million contract in 2001?
4: That would be A-Rod, right?
1: absolutely shout out alex rodriguez a rod all right so this one last question looks like you are going to take home the crasher coffee giveaway gift card but what is the new globe life food option that's offered this year that is i think they call it like the two foot long dog loaded with like onions jalapenos um I didn't even know the name of this until I, I looked it up. Okay. I
4: don't know if I know. I know there's been good. a lot of new stuff added, a lot of cool right. stuff. I know there's one, um, a new item that has alligator. Um,
1: oh, yeah. I heard about that. I gotta, yeah. I'm going to try that next time I go. Yeah. This not, one, I have not
4: given a chance to try anything yet, but that one yeah. I do not know the name of. Um, okay.
1: Only reason I know this is because the last game I told you I went to, um one mm-hmm. of the guys that was sitting next to me had it and i was like what is that he called it i guess the boomstick they call it like the boomstick, boomstick or something like that
4: yeah and i, was I like, thought that okay. was what they called the um don't they have like a six foot long one
1: yeah that's the yeah so i think it's like a like some type of um but
4: there's one that is like the size of a baseball bat i'm pretty sure that's yeah. the boomstick. but then they have oh, a new one? one i'm pretty sure no. i'm not we'll have to okay. look it up but okay. I, it may be. It, they may have it switched it. But there's a new one. But okay. there are multiple stuff. If you haven't had that, though, it's the long one. It's, like, the size of a baseball bat. And they literally give you, like, the carrier has, like, multiple handles. And you can see people oh, on the so. ballpark, like, carrying it with, like, two people. And it's Oh, awesome. that's
1: cool. It's, like, one of those old-school Subway footlongs. or yes. the, the long 12-foot. Okay, that's yeah. cool. I'll have to check yeah. that out. I don't, I don't. I don't know if it would be something for me. I mean, I know my nephews love hot dogs, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't know it's if I'm not have one of those, that. it's just
4: the experience. And just honestly, to walk around for in the sure. ballpark like that and everyone's looking at you like it's one of those. Where else can you experience that, you know? So for
1: sure. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, you are the winner of the Crashers Coffee Giveaway gift give card. We truly truly appreciate appreciate that. So um before I let you go, please let our listeners know where they can follow you on all social media platforms and Anything that you're doing in terms of the next um, events, endeavors that you got going on for the rest of the summer and early fall?
4: Yeah, so um, my I'm really only on Instagram. That's my main social media. And it's at mm-hmm. blog. So that's on there. Me personally, I'm just focusing on baseball season. I'm hoping to start grad school in the fall. Um, I'm also a Celsius ambassador, so I do a lot of stuff for Celsius Energy, kind of the main stuff. Oh, wow. Um, if they want to follow the six shooters they can follow the team at rangers underscore six shooters and you spell it out um s-i-x shooters so that kind of is the main thing of like where we're going to be at we post when we're at community events we were just at the rangers youth academy this weekend um Mm -hmm. and all the information about like auditions and stuff is is on there as well so
1: yeah perfect all right so before i let you go one thing for our listeners um when the episode drops I'm actually going to have uh, michaela's help we are going to be doing a giveaway this is a shout out to the dugout um dugout mugs uh they actually sponsored the show and we're going to be helping with uh one lucky um big texas ranger fan get a baseball bat dugout mug so um look forward to that and we'll let you know all the rules and everything like that but Thank you once again, Michaela. I really do appreciate it. And please keep us updated on the rest of the show. I'm uh, sorry, rest of the season. And uh, definitely looking forward to what's next for you. All right.
4: Yes. Awesome. Thank you so
0: much. Enjoy being on here. You're welcome. Anytime. We'll be right back. Thank you to our listeners for holding. This is Eric Martinez. Once again, the
1: Sporting Crashers Podcast Episode Three. This man needs no introduction. First of all, thanks again for being on the show. The one and only Travel Gaines. Appreciate you, man.
5: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you.
1: Uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I know you're a busy man. So, you know, I, I definitely had you as one of the person, you know, the people that I wanted on the show, first and foremost, everything that, you know, that you represent, that you've been through as far as success and everything like that so much love man much love let's do it let's get into it yeah sure so you know one thing i yeah i kind of pretty much wanted to get you on the show just kind of laid back just conversationalist and you know i'm I'm from the bay area i know you have a heavy influence in being from the bay and not only you probably have family there just like i do uh you know just touch touch base on just everything that that means because you know i have a lot of friends that live in philadelphia and the first thing they always tell me is well, I'm Philly strong, right? We're built different. We're, we're tough-minded. And I say, you know what? I love that, that you, got, you guys have that, that, that mindset. In the Bay, it's a little, you know, I always say it's a combination of all that. You know, it's, it's so much of the swagger that has been introduced from the beginning. So, you know, I know you carry that all day with you.
5: I, I think, you know, the funny part about people from the Bay Area,
0: mm-hmm. you
5: instantly know they're from the Bay Area. Yeah, you know, because of their their demeanor, their mannerisms, uh, the way they talk, the way they move, and the way they act. And it's funny. Um, I had a argument with a uh, a very popular uh, movie director. Okay. Uh, they were looking to do the Mac Dre story, and they wanted to cast Quavo as Mac Dre. And I said, it's not
1: going to Oh no, man. He said, what?
5: He said, he kind of looks like Mac Dress. I said, no, nah. yeah. you got to be somebody from the Bay to play. Right. Mac yeah, that's something you can't mess up. And so it's, it's one of those things that like, unless you're from there or have ties to there, you don't understand it. You can't mimic Bay area people and their hustle and just this <laughs> like who they are. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. If you, you know, you have to understand it to, to, you have to be there to understand it. But you know, right. I, I came from an era where, you know, I had a heavy influence from Mac Dre, the Rock Room Gang and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's just uh, the, the mindset and the movements is just different, you know, from being around those guys.
1: Man, you know what's crazy? Mac Dre, one of my favorite albums of all time. I still play it on my Apple uh, uh, podcast list and everything when I'm listening to it is uh, Mac Dre, Ron Palation, man. Rompilation. Right. I don't know what about that. That's just back and forth, top to bottom, just let it ride.
5: Great album, man. Mac Dre is a living legend
1: to me. Yeah. You
5: know what I mean? Like it's just Absolutely. He's, he's somebody who, who he's one of the most influential people in my life. Still listen to his music, still celebrate his birthday, still celebrate his death. So, you know, it's he's God to me, man. Yeah, and
1: that's and that's one thing that I, I love when it comes to people that know, especially you know coming from the bay area and just music and heavy influence it's one of those things that when when individuals make it whatever type of industry music sports movies actors i mean there's been legends that come from there you know we tap into somebody that is and was a living legend like mac dre it it was just part of that culture you know if if people aren't from the bay area they associated with that word hyphy movement but it yeah. was it was just that whole different thing you know like that first line all the time like in the bay we dance a little different it's like yeah. that's a whole like mindset and lifestyle you know
5: yeah. no i i agree like i said man we could we could talk about bay area music and just the influence on the culture for hours um i think that um the bay area invented so much slang that was then taken mainstream i think that the bay area invented so much influence in bay area music from all the artists you know and, right. and I don't think they get the credit they deserve, uh, but a lot of heavy influence on the music industry today is based off of um, Bay Area music.
1: Agreed. 100% agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I got some nephews that are, you know, pretty much getting into sports, you know, they're a little bit younger and then things like that. And then, you know, when it comes to their interest in everything, any type of sport, whether are watching it, or we go to these sporting events, and the thing is, they always ask. They're always like, you know, you know, Theo, I really, you know, I want to see what what I can do. You know, I want to I want to play wide receiver for so and so. Right. And I'm always thinking to myself, um, we just did a, a, a football camp with uh, TCU football. Shout out the Horned Frogs, Sonny Dykes. Um, so he was there and, and I, I took we took our, our nephews to go and just interact with the youth camp. And, you know, one thing I told him, I said, you know, the reason it's these summer camps are so important is because I want you to see, have fun, obviously, right? I want you to see the work ethic, right? The work ethic that these other kids have. So I kind of wanted you to just tap into the youth in terms of that particular side of it, discipline, dedication, and what you've seen. And also with you, man, you know, you growing up pretty much everything that you did as far as dedication,
0: yeah.
1: you know?
5: Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing when what kids have to understand these days is just however hard they think they're working, there's someone out there working harder. And right. so one thing I will tell parents, I just had this conversation yesterday with my, with my cousin, you know, if, um, if your child is passionate about something, give them every resource you possibly can mm-hmm. to help excel in that. But don't push them towards something that, that you want them to do, but they don't want to do. So right. if, if a kid is really passionate about a sport, please, 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 make sure they have every resource to be successful That you know is, is, is realistic and then that they're just pushed because there's so many kids out there working so hard. A lot of times you might think you're the best player on your team, but then you're not the best player in your city or your state or the country. You're competing against kids. Right. Country. And so right. um, I know what has really worked for us. I know like we obviously pointing at like Kayvon Thibodeau, who just was drafted top five.
0: Yeah, last absolutely. Year.
5: You know, since he was in high school, he got a chance to watch – Saquon Barkley and Todd Gurley and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams and all these athletes train at our gym. So he understood what it took for him to get to that level. And so um, a lot right. of kids don't have that accessibility, but as long as they know they're doing everything they possibly can to be the best they could be, um, that's the biggest thing to do. Just, just just, make sure that they have to work hard. Nothing comes easy. That's right. You got to work, period. And you got to sacrifice
1: you got to sacrifice. That's the word, yeah. Sacrifice to the fullest. Uh, real quick, not to change the subject, but uh, how was that draft in Vegas, man? I mean, you know, Ooh. that was the thing. They were talking about that for years to bring the draft to Vegas, and then Ooh. I'm just thinking to myself, what better city, right? What better city to have that sports entertainment?
5: We're going to keep it real right now, man. So yeah. that was my 16th or 17th draft. I mean, right. since 2007, I've had draft. Right. Um, You know, for the first... Uh, eight or nine years, they always were in New York. You know, draft was always in New York. That's, yeah, the common place, yeah. 16, 2016 or 17, they started changing it around so they were having Mm -hmm. the different cities. So, ever since it left New York, I think the first year was in Chicago, I went to that one. But after that, I haven't attended any of them. Um, With that being said, the draft next year is I think in Kansas City, and after that's in Green Bay. I have no desire to go to that. Vegas? It was amazing. It was amazing. Over a million people came into the city. There were billions of dollars poured into the city. I just thought that that was the perfect place and venue to have the draft, and we should have it there every single year. I think that there's, I think it's neat what the NFL is trying to do by getting certain cities involved in the draft and getting certain cities involved in the Super Bowl. But the reality is this it has to be a reward for the fans and the players. Right. Once you get to the draft or get to the Super Bowl, nobody wants to go to Green Bay. Nobody wants to go That's to right. Kansas City. So I think the draft every year should be in Vegas, L.A., Atlanta, New Orleans. That's Arkansas.
0: right.
5: Same thing for the Super Bowl. They should just pretty much be in a sunshine state because it's miserable. We have to travel to these cold weather cities, these cold weather places. You don't want to do anything. People lose a lot of money. Like I remember the Super Bowl a few years ago was in Minnesota. It was horrible. It's horrible. Right, yeah right so like uh with that being said i I think the the vegas should be a staple for the draft and the super bowl and the pro bowl something like that every year because it was a really great setup the nfl did a great job the city of vegas did a great job it was first class the fans were amazing the crowd was amazing it was a great experience
1: yeah that's what i was saying too you know the consensus was hey we should bring this back more than just one year this would be multiple or like you said a staple of what new york city was You know, as far as everything is concerned, because, I mean, you think about it like this. Las Vegas hosts so many international travelers from all over the world, and you expose them to something that is built in our culture as far as being Americans, United States of America. You know, you talk about football, and then all of a sudden you start tapping into, well, we we got a team, you know. Born and raised, when I'm from the Bay Area, that's my team, Oakland Raiders. You yeah. know, I still catch myself saying Oakland Raiders, but
5: you, you know, the Las Vegas trouble. Raiders. Hey, Eric, you guys might be in some trouble right now, man. I think after what happened last week, man, Mark Davis might have to sell the team.
1: That's so. Yeah. So I didn't read the whole thing, but I, I think there was something with uh, with some type of uh, mismanagement, uh, yeah. some type of you know, just not, not handling it the right way.
5: Not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> not looking good. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, to be truthful, man, I you know, as far as uh, rest in peace, Al Davis and everything like that. But ever since he's been pretty much at, you know, running the show is, is so to say, it's been one of those things that the decision's got to be a lot more tight. You know, he wants to bring in individuals that are football minded, understandable. But in terms of just the mindset of, you know, becoming a successful owner. Oh, man, it's, it's just an, and then, uh, you know, I can bring up the John Gruden situation, right? You know, we can go and say all these things and, you know, could not be that maybe he wasn't the one that was directly tied to the root, but here's the problem. It's still within the organization, right? Right. And um, I agree with you. I Like, everybody's telling me, they're like, oh, watch out, you know, we got Devontae Adams and and this and that, and I'm like, hey, absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest transactions in a long time for a Raider fan base, but I'm thinking to myself, well, hold on. You know, we, we let's look at the division. Let's look at as far as what's on paper. We ha- we haven't seen them take one snap yet. That's true. You know, so I I honestly believe, like when I'm talking about football in terms of what we're gonna put out as far as the product is concerned on the field, man, you're absolutely right. The everything that we have to to really think and focus on is what starts at the top, right? We always we always hear when they when they give the Lombardi Trophy, right? Who's who's grabbing it? The owners. owners, general managers. And then it goes down head coaches, yeah. you know, uh, Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah. But if that's not tight at the top, how are we going to get there?
5: You're, you're correct. You're correct. I, I, I'll tell you what. Um, I think the, the, the Raiders are. Um, there's been a lot of missteps over the past few years. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at the NFL now. It, when, you, when you have the president. Uh, of your organization coming out and saying there were these infractions, I brought them to the mm-hmm. home's attention, and his response was to fire me. That's a very slippery slope, and he's now sending that now to the league office. I- I'll tell you what, if the Raiders go for sale, I personally think with being in Las Vegas and with the fan base, if the Broncos are going to go for $4
1: billion, the Raiders
5: will go for $5 billion. And I know, I, I, know, I know people personally who would pay for that right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy you say that. uh We always talk, and, and you always hear when it comes to free agencies and trades, and everybody's always like, well, sports and the league, it's a business, right? We're always like, oh, it's a business, it's a business. And I always think it to myself, well, just because it's a business, shouldn't there be a lot more integrity? Shouldn't there be a lot more core values and ethics, you know? And again, that, that's just me on my side look, looking at it, but like you being involved, that you. You know, you you talk directly to a lot of these that are, you know, a part of whether it's the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, you know, things like that. I, I always find it where I'm always like, I wonder if these conversations are ever said. Obviously, probably not broadcasted. So you're not going to see this on the major sports platforms. But, you know, something like this, man, I'm always wondering to myself.
5: Eric, let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> Big business,
5: Fortune 500 companies. Um, sports team owners—it's Game of Thrones, man. It's
1: Game of yeah. Thrones. Yeah, right.
5: Know? So it's a—it's um, very cutthroat. Um, it's a very uh, when you when you when you peel back the curtain and see how certain companies were built, made, or how they got to this point is Game of Thrones. And so when you start right. talking about that kind of money, you know, you have all kind of people friendships go out the window, and it's that saying it's business is not personal. You learn that more and more, the, the the higher you get up in some of these corporate structures, some of these big money deals. And so it's like, um, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, but again, I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff going on right now behind the scenes with this Raider situation, uh, which like every NFL team would be a hot commodity. If that does come up for sale, who knows, right. um, I know that obviously the Broncos sale is going on right now. Um, let's see who shakes out of that. But um, I'm personally trying to buy the Saints. Um, okay. I want. All right.
0: <laughs> the Saints. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
5: Gail Benson does. I don't know what she has going on. She claims she wants to sell it, but I don't think I, was, I don't think she really wants to sell it. I
1: got a I got a soft spot for the Saints, man. Uh, you know, just obviously born and raised and. Uh, the Bay Area, my my college football team is Cal Berkeley, 100%. Mm-hmm. UC Berkeley, go Golden Bears. Uh, and so anytime I hear Saints, I'm always Cameron Jordan, Cam Jordan. So you know I I, I always follow nothing Cam Jordan. Yeah, I always
5: a very interesting guy. You know he's a yeah big personality.
1: Yeah, yeah. Big. I bet. Yeah, that's yeah that's 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 good man. That's I always try to follow these Golden Bears in the pros, man, because. You know, sometimes, I mean, I celebrate every time I'm watching, like when I was watching the draft and I seen uh, Elijah Hicks get drafted, you know, yeah. and I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. out here like acting like, hey, we got, we got one in the league, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good I think,
5: thing. I think one of the, you know, I think it's arguable between maybe Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn. I think Marshawn was the greatest mm-hmm. Cal Bear ever. Um, I have. The, the the blessing to to train Marshawn and be around him a lot during his career. Um, very savvy businessman, 100 um, authentic. And I love
1: it,
0: yeah, absolutely. Marshawn Lynch,
5: man, he's, a, he's he's a he's an awesome guy. He actually lives in uh, in Vegas, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. He lives in Vegas. In okay. So,
1: uh, I I heard we uh several years back when I was in the Bay Area we did a uh, Beast Mode sponsored hashtag lunch. Uh, lunch bags. So uh, we went around Oakland and San Francisco, and we handed out uh, lunch bags for homeless. Uh, so you know uh, individuals. So we put together the the whole campaign with with Beast Mode and and everybody. And he had you know like you said, huge personality, mm-hmm. but just authentic and real and 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 heart of gold, man. I mean, he was sitting here literally packing the lunches with us, you know, packing the fruits and everything, and just conversating. Doesn't matter if it was just you know, you didn't know one thing about sports or you knew every statistic that he ever had in his career. Just yeah. a real person.
5: Yeah, he's awesome, man. I remember um, after his first or second year in the NFL, you know, he was a top 10 pick, had a, had a bunch of marketing deals, had a ton of money, and he was here sure. training with me. And I remember him staying on, like, one of his cousin's, like, couch. I think he was, like, <laughs> he, yeah, he was, like, he was just, like, just a normal guy. I remember one time. Uh, he went and bought a, a soda from a store and like two doors down, there was another store and the soda was 20 cents cheaper. He took the okay. soda back to the original store and went and got the soda.
0: <laughs> 20 yeah. Cents.
5: yeah. That's Marshawn, man. He's just a, just a yeah. dude, you know what I mean?
0: That's
1: that mindset. That's that mindset you got to have. I mean, you know, that's, that's that part of that hustler mentality, but like, that's where it gets you far. That's where it starts from and that's, that's cool. where the business comes from. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I got a question. Uh, yeah, I want. I want.
5: Yeah. I got you. I'm sorry. I know it's supposed to go the other way around. Is that a Kobe hat?
1: Yeah. So shout out to Jerry Dupree, uh, Book Clothing Co. This is the the official Los Cobies and a, a dedication. So on the side it says, "The biggest mistake we have in life is we have to, that we think we have time." So it's a book, book clothing. Now that's so. that's
5: fire. But I have a question for
1: you. Are you a Kobe? Yes, fan? sir. I'm a I'm a Kobe and a Laker fan, absolutely.
5: Okay, now here's my next
1: okay. question.
5: where do you rank Kobe at in your all-time greatest players list? All
1: right, so I have conversations with this almost every single week with different play with my uh, different friends.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So here here's my thing. It's very it's very hard in my generation now. Again, I will you know, I still remember watching Sports Channel. In the Bay Area, when we would catch those Golden State Warriors against those Michael Jordan led Chicago Bulls, right, but at the same time I was still I was still watching those Eldon Campbell, Nick Van Exel led by Dell Harris type of Lakers. so my my generation was Lakers were just getting out of that showtime, and we were still in the presence of greatness with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. so I, I I always say three. I always put three. And and then the other two, it can fit into conversation. But Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Now, but here's my thing though. I'm such a big Kobe Bryant fan, it's very hard for me to hear any type of conversation that has Michael and LeBron. I understand why people call LeBron the GOAT. There's a lot of factors that he's had ever since he came into the league. I mean, dominant right away. But I also always go back to that whole mentality, that Mamba mentality, before it became famous and before everybody put it in a trend. There's, there's a lot that he learned that first year pretty much watching and incorporating himself into becoming that dominant eventually when it was his time. And I mean, how many players are ever going to go from a frobie eight to a dominant older vet to win 24, right? <laughs> win, win with 24. So in, in my in my in my countdown, it's hard for me to put LeBron over Michael Jordan. I, I I just I just believe Michael is and was such a dominant player because of the fact that he did it defensively and offensively. I mean, uh, that's, and that's a lot of the copycat. I don't want to say exactly, right. It's not a carbon copy, but of what Kobe did, but man, you know, I, it's, it's hard because I, I respect what LeBron has done. I'm never going to slander him for, you know, taking the opportunity of winning rings. Isn't that what we play sports for? right? Right. Win rings. Uh, but, uh, I, I always say all-time favorite Kobe Bryant, history of the league. That's just me. Best player. I, I just, I couldn't put, I couldn't put him underneath. i say one, Michael, 2A, LeBron, 2B, two two Kobe. <laughs> it's just, you know, and it's and it's hard because as a lot of my friends always say, man, I just like, we were expecting you to say Kobe over LeBron. And I'm like, well, I would always say that until I really realized that what LeBron is doing from a standpoint of how long he's been doing it how dominant he's been and he's just a he's a he's a completely different player I mean I've never seen somebody at 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 that uh physical specimen be so creative with the ball it's it's like it's a combination of you know what we used to see with magic Johnson what we see with you know so many so oh man that's that conversation I could keep going and going man but you know, how about you? How do you see it?
5: I have a tough time with putting Kobe Bryant in my top ten.
1: Oh, okay. Here we go. Getting real. Really tough time. Wow. And okay. I'm at
5: the age also where where I I watched Magic. Yeah. Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. You know, I'm at that age. Sure. So for me, um, number one is Michael Jordan. I agree. Number two is Magic Johnson. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Um, He played 10 years, played in eight championships. Um, Sure. He created Showtime. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was an unbelievable player. There would be no Showtime, no Lakers, if it wasn't for (coughs) Magic Johnson. Uh, Absolutely. My third best player is LeBron James. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fourth best, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Fifth, Bill O'Neal. Sixth is Larry Bird. Seven is Kevin Durant. Eight, okay. Hakeem Olajuwon. Nine. <laughs> nine is Steph Curry.
1: Yeah, I was gonna
0: say. It's waiting for Curry.
5: <laughs> the two for me is Tim Duncan. So, yes. I, I personally feel that Kobe Bryant played in the league for twenty years, but mm-hmm. really, for the most part, over half of those years, he was not. I, I mean, he was a good player, but his team was not very good. And so with the exception of the years that Shaq was there and the exception of the years that Powell Gasol was there. Kobe Bryant wasn't really effective, in my opinion, if you, if you want to break it down to it, if you I mean, there was a lot of guys that could score. Allen Iverson could score. Um, I mean, uh, Michael Redd could score. You go on and on guys who could score, but never could win. In in, in my opinion, I think Kobe Bryant is equivalent to like a Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker's a great player, and he's one of my favorite players currently in the league, but I think in 20 years, kids aren't going to really know who he was. And so I think what elevated Kobe Bryant was playing for the Lakers and then Nike. I think Nike, with his shoes, really elevated Kobe Mm -hmm. Bryant, just like with Michael Jordan. Like There's people now there's, there's uh, trainers that work at at my at the at athletic games that are in their uh, early and mid-20s. They've never seen Michael Jordan play. They just know him from YouTube and his shoes. And so, mm-hmm. like, I think that yeah. Kobe's brand uh, has made him more legendary than I thought he was as a player. I thought when he first came to the league, he was terrible. Um, he, he, you know, he was on the bench his first few years. I remember that playoff game. He came in and airballed three threes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I no, Kobe, no, absolutely.
5: I just, I think that Kobe Bryant's a good player, but there are so many great Lakers because they're, you know, with 17 championships and one of the most, them in the self-star the best franchise. So, I mean, you got guys like Jerry West, you guys got you know, yes. Shaq, you got Kareem, you have Magic, you got James Worthy, you have so many great Lakers. Um, I just think, and then also, when, when someone passes away, they become elevated. They just become elevated. Like, for example, um, and this bothers me, most rappers sell more records after they die.
1: That's exactly he right.
5: didn't go platinum until he died.
1: You know That's what I mean? Way, yes. And so That's it's, right. it's
5: one of those things that like now, with Kobe dying at a very young age, his aura and who he was got elevated. So I think people are still living in that moment. But... Um, I respect Kobe Bryant, uh, but I I just have a tough time with fundamentally uh, because when when I look at all the players i named, I feel if you put them on any team, they will be a major impact and they can help carry that team to a championship. I saw when Kobe Bryant, he got what he wanted. When he wanted to be separated from Shaquille O'Neal, he went to Dr. Buss. He got what he wanted. We saw what happened. The Lakers were horrible. (laughs) <laughs> they were horrible. Shaq went on and yeah. won in Miami with Dwayne Wade, and so that's right. how I look at it. Again, no disrespect to Kobe, I just have a no, top no, 10. absolutely not in my top ten. That's just me personally.
1: I mean, everybody that you named on the on the top ten list, Hall of Famers and and legendary players. So I get it, you know. And again, you know, it's it's where uh, my generation when I when I started, it was it was or you know when I when I was born, it was a little bit more of in the middle of the showtime Magic Johnson kind of winding down you know his career um but at the same time you know I I I always say and I I continue to say this you know when it comes to the possibility of extending more than the back to back to back that Kobe and Shaq had it, it had to be the right fit right they they in my in my opinion I agree with you that we all saw, and I, I'm not ashamed to say this, obviously, we all saw that in that particular um, situation, Kobe needed Shaq. I mean, let, let's be honest, right? And again, there was players that were fit around him that made that team. And that's why when, when whenever we talk about that Laker team, those three that three-peat, I always say, well, Rick Fox, Robert Ori, Derek Fisher, right? And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. Because they understood that what's happening in the organization, what's happening from a standpoint of the strategy, it has to come with it. Let me ask you this. Uh, A few guys that I, I, you know, I, I, that's why I was telling you when it comes to top five, top 10, I always have, you know, we always have this conversation. When it comes to, for instance, you said Tim Duncan, the big fundamental. Mm -hmm. Did everything right. Did, in fact, did everything the way it it had to play at that position. I remember at a time. I remember this because this was always fantasy basketball back then. I used to be really big into it. There was always a conversation. Three power forwards always off of my top board: Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, and I remember that. Yeah. So where where do you got? And I'm not saying you got to tell them all all time, but where do you got those two other ones? Because KG big ticket was.
5: Amazing. That engine was running. Amazing player, great energy. I think he deserves a statue uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: I like that. Yeah, it's a good idea.
5: Single-handedly in 2011, beat the Miami Heat. Um, And then the coldest thing ever, he took the championship trophy to live in Miami and celebrate it. (laughs) But I think, again, (laughs) when you look at people who I think single-handedly carried a organization you start talking about guys like
0: right
1: that.
5: you start talking about moments like that I just can't find a moment like that yeah Kobe scored 81 in the game yeah he has some 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 big shots and some big plays but with the without the time of having a Shaquille O'Neal or having a Paul Gasol, sure. I just never seen Kobe Bryant elevate to a Allen Iverson status a Dirk Nowinski status or some are LeBron James status? I, I watched LeBron James when he was in Cleveland, literally take four other guys who worked uh, at at Kroger's in the offseason and will them to uh, to play in the championship. I just never saw Kobe do anything like that. That's just me. Okay.
1: I, <laughs> hey, hey, respect. I listen. The fire, though. <laughs> I, I I got you. I got you 100. I I listen. Completely respect that. I got a question then. Let, yeah. Let's. Let's kind of keep it within the basketball realm. But I want to switch over and give a lot of love to the WNBA. Yeah. Your opinion. Yeah. Your greatest women's basketball player. And it could be college, pro. Because I got a few. I got a few, but I want to hear, you know, in, in, your, in your opinion, who who you have. You ain't got to do a top five, but who do you I'm like?
5: Unbelievably biased because he's trained with us the last six years. And I think it's Anis yeah. Parker. Uh, the reason why I think it's Candace Parker, because it's it's like what you said in the eras. You know, I think the WNBA, there's been a lot of great players with um, with uh, uh, Cheryl Swoops, uh, Cynthia sure. Cooper. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
5: I, I want to call her. I feel so bad. Um, uh, Cheryl Miller. Uh, there's been a lot of great players. But at yes. this time. With a lot of focus and a lot of um, brands going towards female sports, a lot of people investing more in female sports. What Candace yes. Parker has done over her 16 year career, uh, you know, winning a championship, winning multiple championships, winning Rookie of the Year, winning MVPs, winning Defensive Player of the Year, winning scoring titles. And now she's able to elevate the sport by having her platform on TNT and Bleacher Report, starting her own production company, Absolutely. being one of the highest paid female athletes. Um, being a mom, um, while having three jobs, I think she scored in season over, she scored 21 points. Um, mm-hmm. I personally think Candace Parker has done the most for the sport. And I think she will continue to be an ambassador for women's sports. I think that she is the uh, the blueprint to copy. So, so, yes. so for example, I think that the current blueprint to copy on and off the uh, the court is LeBron James. You know, he's going to be the first billionaire uh, basketball, sure. while he's currently playing, I think the blueprint for uh, women should be uh, Candace Parker. I think Candace Parker should be the logo of the WNBA, and I think she's the greatest WNBA player ever.
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah I I I, lo- I I absolutely enjoy every single time she is breaking down film, uh, uh, analyzing players. Uh, you know the the certain habits that they have on the court, what to look for defensively. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm just like it's, it's perfect. It's exactly what we need in any type of uh, platform, whether it's, you know, television, internet, Bleacher Report, like you said. And I, and I, I always find it that, you know, growing up when the NBA was, uh, the WNBA was first coming out, it was those, those franchises that it was kind of like the MLS, the soccer, every organization had that one player, but they didn't have that collective team. And it seems like, Everything that she's been a part of has been a chance to really unify and strengthen her, not only as a teammate, but all, also a leader. So, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree 100%. Well,
5: well Eric, the other thing that she did was like what LeBron did. I mean, LeBron went back yeah. to Cleveland and brought them a championship. And mm-hmm. Candice went back to Chicago and brought them a championship. Chicago. Back. I mean, that's, 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 that's the stuff that Disney movies are made of, you know? And yeah. Like, Kobe didn't go to Philly and and bring the Sixers a championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Harp on your boy Kobe, but I'm just saying, like for you to go back to your hometown after being away and and, and guaranteeing them and bringing them the first championship, that's stuff that's just that's what that's what the movies are made of. And I think that uh, she's going to have her own Disney movie when she decides to hang it up. There's talk this this might be her last year. So I think would be unfortunate. That's, yeah, that's what I was hearing. Uh, but. I think she always will be a, a larger than life presence uh, in the WNBA. I, I do think yes. that she has the ability to be the first female general manager in the NBA. I think she can help out the of front yeah. office. Um, I, I think can see that happening. Um, and she has that kind of presence. And so I think that her 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 personality and who she is to basketball transcends from men's and women's sports. I think she's that respected. And I think that uh, she is, again, unfortunately, a lot of the other great women played in just a different era. But with the attention Mm -hmm. right now going on uh, women's sports and and women's basketball, I think Candace Parker has done so much for the game of basketball.
1: Agreed 100%. I love it. I love it. So uh, like I told you, I had moved out here from the Bay Area, and I'm in Dallas, uh, Dallas Dallas-Fort Worth, the suburb. So I got a chance to meet um, Dr. Kenneth Cooper, uh, the father of aerobics. And um, I, I attended one of his seminars and just kind of listening to everything he had to say with, you know, keeping a healthy lifestyle. And his main, his main, um, obviously, motto was fitness is not a destination. Fitness is a journey. We must continue to strive towards those uh, goals. So, you know, you being, you know, keeping others when it comes to the fitness, the healthy lifestyle, things like that, What's what's one thing that's the most important to you, man? I know there's probably a lot of them, but when it comes to just you know, cause we cause we talk about not just the the exercise, the 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 dietitian, you know, the being on a diet or keeping a healthy um, you know uh, intake of food, but also what we see in sports right now with the with the the mindset, right? The stress, the 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 mental uh, health issues that we get sometimes. So, what would you say on that end?
5: I think the biggest thing that I tell everybody is. The most successful people in the world get up early and Mm -hmm. they work out early. So what I would tell everybody, everybody always says they don't have enough time in their day to work out, extend your day an extra hour in the morning. Wake up, make the commitment to yourself to wake up early, get your workout in, which gets your mind flowing, it gets your endorphins going, it gets your body moving. And so what I would say to everybody, I think that if you can wake up early, knock out your workout, it not only... Um, gets your day going, but also it helps reduce stress, it helps reduce a lot of other things, so that's what I would recommend to people, you know, just the the habits and that's not an athlete thing it's a um, successful people have the same mindset whether it's Mm -hmm. LeBron James or whether it's Mark Zuckerberg you know, they all have Mm -hmm. the same type of they want to win, they want to be successful mentality, so I think that if people can look at um, ways to Help increase their lifestyle, their energy, and reduce stress, and help with their mental health. I think getting up early, getting your workout in, is really something that they can do to really uh, combat a lot of those uh, those issues that can come up.
1: Yeah, that's well said. That's well said. Absolutely. Well, before before I let you go, man, and I like I said, I appreciate your time. I definitely want to make sure that I send a huge. Congratulations to everything that you've achieved and all of your trainers, everything that you've done to build the Athletic Gains brand. Man, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And also, more importantly, man, I always love hearing the stories of individuals that, you know, from my backyard, from the Bay, you know, uh, using the platform to succeed, but also touching lives, man. It's the most important thing to me. It's not a matter of what you do. It's how you affect the people that are around you. Absolutely. Um, Well, well,
5: thanks so much. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not trying to be religious on you, but I think you're judged by God by what you do for others and what you do for yourself. So being able to be a part of a a company in in an industry that helps other people uh, achieve their goals and to feel better about themselves, something that I'm, I'm blessed and honored to
1: do and something that I will continue to hopefully do for the rest of my life. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate it again. Thanks for sh- joining the show. We're going to keep tabs on you, man. I, you know, I know I'm going to have you on a different show later on this year, but, uh, Absolutely. yeah, make sure that everybody check out Athletic Gaines, Travel Gaines. Appreciate you for being a crasher on episode three, man. Take care. God bless. Thank you so much.
0: Have an amazing day. You too. Thanks. We'll be right back. Listeners. In all seriousness, thank you so much for supporting our show. I mean, honestly,
1: I, I can't thank everybody enough that keeps asking me, Hey Eric, when are you gonna put out a new episode? Hey, when are you gonna put out a new Sporting Crashers podcast episode, video, audio. So I got a lot of people asking me and, and I and I really do appreciate that. So everybody that is tapped in since episode one, the concept of it, those that wanna be on the show for future guests, hey, we're more than welcome to, right? So um, you got a team that you support you're a fanatic or you're a regular fan or you just basically like the sport and you don't necessarily have a team, I mean, definitely want to talk a little bit more. So the Sporting Crashers will always be something that's fun, something that's more specific to how it relates to sports and life. We can get into the data analysis of the games because I break down games all the time. But in this particular episode and coming forward, we're going to have a lot of guests that continue to do that set the tone and really uh are contributing something in this world not just for sports so i appreciate everybody thank you for listening to the show episode three is now complete look out for episode four we're already in the concept and we're already putting it together thank you so much to everybody appreciate everybody listening to the sporting crashers podcast episode three
0: take care catch you on the next one